Welcome to the Everyday Citizens Tactical Podcast, Episode 5, Empire's Fall. My name is Jeremy and I will be your host, and today is our very first holiday special, which happens to fall on the 4th of July. So, happy Rebellion Day. Today I am joined by David, better known formally as Hoplite GFX. David is a former captain in the U.S. Army, the host of the Polar Connection Podcast, and speaker of nothing but the truth. So, without further ado, enjoy the episode as we remember why we all hate paying taxes tell me turn it down and i'm a only turn up louder yeah. call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward no. strength in numbers we the people still the ones with power fighting fire with fire time to take back what is ours tell me turn it down and i'm a only turn up Live, David. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. What is up, Jeremy? It is good to be here. I am glad to finally have you on here instead of the other way around. <laughs> yeah, we only did one, but we uh, we need to do another. So maybe this will spark me up and uh, get me recording again. Are you? So I was talking to Max earlier, and Max for the uh, undesirable individuals, they're going to have a Fourth of July special. Are you? Is the Polar Connection going to have a Fourth of July special? You know, I thought about doing one, man, but uh, my kids are in town. And I don't get a lot of time with them. So maybe maybe I'll record one late, late one of these nights and uh, just rage out Alex Jones style by myself. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you should do it on the 4th of July when you're like, drunk at like 1030 at night. <laughs> and just oh, hit record and don't stop until you pass hey, it. It would be a glorious disaster. Uh, <laughs> So for everyone, uh, for everyone to know, this is not recorded on the 4th of July. This is recorded right at the end of June. I'm about to go out of town for my family vacation. But nice. I didn't want you guys to miss uh, a podcast episode specifically for the holiday. So, David, if you want to go ahead and just give everybody a little, little bit of what's up about you. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm Dave. Uh, if you haven't met me and, and don't know me that well, I'm like the OG retard. Uh, you know, I, no, I, uh, I basically copied Max and started a podcast and, uh, I like gun stuff. I just got out of the army. I did 10 years as an officer, terrible mistake. Uh, and, uh, now I'm just a civilian guy working and trying to get on the prepper slash training slash tactical capabilities and just skills as a man level that Jeremy is on. Um, so that's basically me in a nutshell. Have you been making more of those food tubs? I have not actually. Um, I just straight moved from, <laughs> I know straight to jail, go to hell, go right to hell. Uh, I moved from Washington just recently cause that's where I got out of the army. I was at JBLM and they basically said, uh, you know, we'll move you back to your home of record, which was as far away from Washington as possible. So I kind of got to pick. So I landed my happy ass in Tennessee, mm -hmm. and it's kind of been a mad rush these last couple months, starting a new job, getting the house, all this stuff. So yeah. I've been very bad about prepping and all of that crap, but I do have my eyes set on some uh, gardening. I think I'm going to start that up finally because I have some space. So You definitely, definitely should do that. Um, I've got my garden going. We are in, we are in full garden mode this year. Nice. What are you growing? Uh, okay. How long do we have? Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm going to try to go in order without stuttering the best of my ability. All right. I have multiple tomatoes, multiple peppers, romaine lettuce, carrots, cilantro, basil, 
parsley, uh, golden potato, white potato, corn, sweet pumpkin, jack-o'-lantern pumpkin, corn, um, onion, garlic. Did I say peppers? No. Peppers. Multiple types of peppers. I got green bell pepper, orange bell pepper, uh, red Kanye pepper, and jalapenos. Dang. Um, and chickens. <laughs> and chickens. They grew straight out of the ground. And just Crazy. right out of the ground. You, you, I... you plant an egg, and like 60 <laughs> days later, there they are. Damn. So it was the egg. It was the egg. The egg came first. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Solved. It's solved. <laughs> now we're going to get canceled, and my house is going to be raided. <laughs> You're going to get Clinton. <laughs> Did you see uh, this is all right now we're already getting way off topic before Oh no. Oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did you see that that uh how are you saying her name? Gisele Maxwell, Gisele Maxwell. Oh, Gislaine or however the fuck you say her. How are you say her name? Disgusting she is on Demon Suicide Watch. Is she, oh god. Number 2. <laughs> it came out yesterday. Her attorney was like, "Yeah, we had to move her to Suicide Watch and so on and so forth. Oh, I don't know god. if we can do the trial anymore." We had to move her, move her to the slaughterhouse. I, I mean, suicide watch. Uh, but, uh, you know. God, dude. Nothing could... Su- you know, I was talking to my mom about this the other day. I said, mm-hmm. nothing could surprise me. And I think a lot of people have, like, taken that for granted, you know, because it's been a wild ride these last, like, three years. Yeah. But nothing would surprise... You could literally tell me that the President of the United States showed up for an address and incomplete drag and holding a sign that said the aliens are here and I wouldn't bat a fucking eye. Like, I would just be like, hmm. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> it. Seems pretty normal. Just Wednesday. like, I mean, I might be a little distraught like, God, man, look at us. But I wouldn't be surprised. The most concerning thing would be like, man, look how sloppy his handwriting is on that cardboard sign. Yeah, I'd be like, did he put on his own lipstick? God damn, man. <laughs> <laughs> look at I that. can see his diaper through his dress. What the hell? <laughs> oh, shit. So this cool. is going to be a very, uh, I think, fitting episode given the holiday. Um, and I think True. The, the false perceptions that a lot of people hold specifically on this holiday at this point in time. And kind mm. of some of the contradictions. So I guess we can kind of start with, you know, just just to give people an idea. What is what is your general stance as the U.S. as it stands right now? And then maybe a little breakdown with how you feel individually about state and federal government. It doesn't have to be big pictures, just general thoughts. All right. Boy, this is uh, – we went right we, – we were kind of like playing around in the kiddie pool, and we're just jumping straight into the uh, ocean we're here. Deep. you got to learn to swim or you to drown. <laughs> Well, here we go. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, let's see. So overall, you asked me what was this what do I feel about the state of the US mm-hmm. overall right now? Yep. I've in the last probably six months, maybe it was sometime in that zone. Actually it was the last four or five months. It was after I got out of the army, uh, which was only a couple months ago, five five months ago now. Um I finally think I accepted that the United States has has fallen. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel that at some point there was a part of me that was, you know, like you wake up and you're already choking to death and you're like, you have this moment maybe where you fight the idea of what's happening. You reject it outright. 
you know, and, and I panic bought a lot of like gear and, you know, and tried to train as fast as I could and all that. And then it hit me at, at some point just with all this, this nonstop barrage of insanity we've been fed for the last three years and, and things that are actually happening too, not just bullshit, but just insanity. And, uh, I, I just accepted it at some point. Like, you know what? The U S has already fallen. Like America is no longer what it was, you know, it's different. It's gone. Mm-hmm. I know I, I've kind of lost, I wouldn't say my sense of patriotism. I think that's the wrong word, but mm. my sense of even just being comfortable with saying like the United States is my country. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know. Cause like, as we go to like the city council meeting sometimes as like mm-hmm. firemen and at the beginning of every city council meeting, they say the, uh, the, uh, they stand for the pledge of allegiance. Mm. And when I, and now like used to, it wouldn't bother me at all. Like every every single day when I was in the Marine Corps, I would oh, yeah. walk past the flag even if I was completely by myself, and I would salute the flag. When yep. many 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 Same. people would not. Same. But you know now specifically after everything that's happened over the past two years, you know I don't feel comfortable even like going through the motions anymore. I'm like I don't. Yep. I don't know. It's a very it's a very weird feeling, and, and that might bother some listeners. But I, I mean, it's just there's an, well, there's an let's eerie break feeling. it down then. Uh, because I feel the same way. And I, I was a kid who, when I was a teenager, you know, maybe 16 or 17, there were times where I would look at the United States flag. I would look at that flag and start thinking about the men that, what it represented. And I would be brought to tears. I was that patriotic. And I got Mm -hmm. to the point where, yes, I, I've, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, where it's like, I used to feel, I used to feel this overwhelming pride uh, extremely strong emotions for my country and my countrymen. And now I feel like my, that patriotism hasn't gone away. That feeling of connection to, but I had to define what it was because it it struck me that the, the way that you feel about America is not the way America feels about you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the thing. uh, Yeah. That's part of it when you think about it is like, even if you ignore the government, because your government is not your country. And I've always been a strong believer of that. If you even think about the people in our country, even across the multiple, we'll call them groups or factions of people throughout the country, a large majority of them hate people like you and me. Oh yeah, on even both though, on both sides of the aisle. Which on is both sad. sides, there are you know moderate Republican groups that probably hate us that think we're too extreme. Yep. There are conservative groups who think we're not conservative enough or we're not conservative in their eyes. Then the left hates us, and then the everyday people may think that we're just trying to cause a ruckus. When in reality, we just want everybody to, you know, coexist, you know, remain peaceful and keep government out of business, out of our business. Peace. You know, a lot of people think that militia men and 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 preppers and all this are people that desire violence. And yes, it's kind of like being a homeschooler, right? There are people that. Oh, I know what homeschoolers are like because they saw the one kid with his pants hiked all the way up to his freaking nipples and wearing socks and sandals and mm-hmm. talking about weird shit. Like, yeah, and he was homeschooled. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so there are preppers out there that are guys that are like, I can't wait for the world to melt down. I'm going to rape me some women and steal me some food. Like, they're out there. And they die um, immediately. Exactly, <laughs> right? But that's the thing is it's that is the perception that I think 99% of people have, like normies, right? People you just meet on the street. Mm-hmm. If you just walked up and said, oh, I'm super into prepping, they would immediately get weird vibes, you know, like, oh, it's 10 Cloverfield Lane all over again. I 
the way Americans have started to view other Americans, even like, let's take ourselves out of the mix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's take, you know, the Antifa guy versus the neocon. Now, those are two, you know, polar opposites. Mm-hmm. And um, we've, we've built this like system where or we haven't built it. I guess it's been orchestrated or whatever, whatever you want to believe. We're here now where, groups of people either identify loosely with each other and then they have like their concentric rings of like, Oh, well I don't, I like what the Antifa guys are standing for. I don't really agree with them, but if you think the Antifa are retarded or bad people, then I don't like you mm-hmm. even though I'm not, you know, we've, we've got a huge divide, uh, more so than some even countries like in Europe that have different borders and their people jive better than we do within the same borders. So it's mm-hmm. hard for me to then, look at the United States and be like, I'm a patriot. I want the United States to survive because it's already gone. And even if it wasn't, would I want it to like, how do you, how do you fix, how do you fix this? It's funny. You mentioned that comment about like, you know, relations between people either with, within countries or countries next to each other. Cause at our training event this past weekend with my local guys, I had the same conversation with them hmm. during just like a break in the training. And I was talking about how, the U.S. is made up of so many different regions and cultures and so on and so forth that it's almost impossible for us to really coexist while living amongst each other for a longer period of time. Oh, absolutely. Dude, that is money. That, think, that's actually, yeah. Go ahead. And I think a big key point to that is the only way people of different cultures can coexist is when federal government regulates it. Mm. Because people are forced to live amongst each other underneath the same set of rules. But if you allow, we'll say, smaller regional cultures such as states, states to make up the rules, you're either forced to adapt to the majority of that culture in that area or you're forced Mm -hmm. to move to a place where they do agree with you. Yes, 100%. Which I think is the the correct thing. Yeah, I don't think that's wrong. I mean – Take it. Let's let's break this down a little bit differently because I think the problem is when you start saying things like that, even people on the right they start immediately going to racism and nationalism, and which yeah, I no, don't no, necessarily I like think nationalism is bad, but but you know what I mean. They start thinking things that are like, oh, you're you're this way. Think about it. This is what has helped me explain it to you know friends and family or whatever. Hmm. Think about it like a job. You can't well. <laughs> Go five years in the past. Let's let's go back into the past. <laughs> now think about jobs. You couldn't just get a job by being like, well, I know I need to be a mechanical engineer that has all these certifications and licenses and whatever, but I like to play video games and I want the job. And then if they don't hire you, then it's a problem somehow. That is what has happened basically is that you don't have to be the exact same person as everybody in that job. But you have to have the same kind of values, the same kind of, you know, we're translating it now to countries, right? The same values, the same, Mm -hmm. this is our culture. It's what makes us, us. It is a very important part of our identity as people, which maybe that's the thing. Maybe we're seeing this as an all out assault on identity period, not Mm -hmm. just the gender identity and sexual identity and what does it mean to be a man and a woman? But now it's just, you know, this endless drive towards the one world order where, you know, now countries don't mean anything, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, but it seems to be that way to me is that people would go to Ireland to visit Ireland because they wanted to be in some place that was unique, some place that was different. They would go to Africa for the same reason or to Mexico or to wherever, but 
you know, that's Speaking changing. Which, I, yeah, Ireland is, is not like that anymore. Oh, it's, it is so fucked. <laughs> as, as culturally proud as Irish people are, Ireland is absolutely plagued with, you know, the multicultural, I would call it an invasion of Ireland. And, and, and oh, Irish yeah, people yeah. are really welcoming of that kind of stuff. But, like, if you go to Some Dublin, <laughs> you feel like you're in, like, London or New York. Like, you don't feel like you're in a proud cultural region. It's just a giant mixing pot, and it doesn't feel – it doesn't have that nostalgia of, like, the Irish countryside like Dublin once did. Which it, and then that makes me so sad. I actually follow this uh, one Irish dude, uh, Dave Cullen. If ever, some people know him. He's really good. But anyway, he talks a lot about that. And, um, you know, he's called a racist ad nauseum. Oh, he's a racist. He's a he's an Irish national, and he's like, I am an Irish national. I'm not a racist. I don't care. I'm not. He doesn't really like address people, which I think is the solution. You know, don't apologize. Just drive on. Like, oh, you're a racist. Well, you're an asshole. Anyway, my point is, um, so he's been talking about the cultural invasion of Ireland, and it's insane. We could it's, even take minority uh, minority uh, integration away from that. Even look at like western integration into ireland because like a popular thing in the dublin area and a lot of other like bigger areas within ireland like more uh population dense cities is the girls the younger girls generation they will uh consistently get spray tans and dye their hair because they specifically want to look more american yeah yep um and that has nothing to do with racing. That's just <laughs> See, but that's just sad in and of, in and of itself. Is it is. It's disgusting. Spray tans and dyed hair is American. Because <laughs> they're they're literally orange. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, but orange man bad, though. <laughs> orange, orange man bad, though. They, yeah, maybe they don't do that anymore. Orange I haven't woman been there good, since... orange man bad. Got it. American <laughs> I haven't been there since 2019, 2018, whichever time I was there. So well, maybe that's, orange man bad. Well, what's crazy is that I went there in 2010 or 11. That's the only time I've ever been to Ireland. And uh, I went there over Christmas. So it's funny to hear you even say that because when I was there, it was very Irish. When I was in Dublin, it was like everybody was Irish. I mean, we went on like a pub crawl and we met a bunch of different types of people. But mostly it was Irish people. And you did see some people. I did I did remember seeing like some different ethnic type of people there, um, like living there. You could tell they were locals. You know, they had like cars and stuff. And, um, but it was very few, I, you know, it was like, it was kind of like visiting Japan or like maybe Korea where it's like 98% of the population is one type of people. Yeah. Like imagine uh, if you went to Japan, like if you went to Tokyo and it's it just a bunch of white people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be like, this is not yeah. a cultural experience. Well, it's taking, it's taking people's identity away. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that like my identity is better than your identity or something. Yeah. It's just it'd be like, for instance, we don't share all of the same uh, <clears throat> we don't share all the same likes and dislikes. But if mm. if for some reason you were to try to force me to like everything that you like and not like the things that I like, then we wouldn't even be fucking friends, right? We would just mm. it would be like we're the same person. We're not we're not interesting to each other. Um, it's the same way with people all the way all the way up to country and even the world if you want to go that far right like we have an identity um and that that should be good enough for these sick fucks like we do have a world identity and it's all of our individual identities we don't have to be all one but you know adrenochrome don't make itself dog (laughs) i think our world identities is or what used to be our cultural identities exactly and i think that's what made everything special and that's what made it they always talk about how the individual is unique I don't yeah. understand why cultures can't be unique. 
Oh, they're not uh, allowed to be because the individual already is, see? And you're just a bigot for wanting guess. Yeah, you're right. entire groups of individuals to I'll be I'll just unique. see myself off the bridge. <laughs> um, so coming back, I guess we'll reel back into the, the U.S. ace territory. You know, why... When do you think the shift or change in attitude was in this country to start pushing for more, I would call it mandatory acceptance hmm. or mandatory cultural appropriation whatever whatever term we want to use for that when did the t- when did the the tone finally shift because i feel like from like the late 80s mm-hmm. to maybe like 2005 everybody was really chill like if you ever taught here your yeah. parents or maybe you because you're really old um talk about <laughs> the 90s. You. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever hear people talk about the 90s people yeah. always talk about how chill the 90s were yes well yeah yeah they were well, one okay, so that's an excellent question because I thought you were going to say like when did when did it shift towards where we're at now? And that's a hard question because it's you know who who fucking knows right how far back how deep do you want to go with that one? Mm-hmm. But the idea that when was the shift towards this acceptance of Americans of mandatory things um, and like this kind of draconian way of bullying each other into doing things, you know, which is not American at all. Um, or at least my America, right? What I understood America to be. That's not the way of the American dream per se. Whatever. We're not going to go there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of digging a hole. Uh, so I, that's a good question. I think that, um, I think I, I actually saw, I think a lot of people that did things that were outside of the norm, even as far back as the nineties, uh, probably saw the propensity for Americans to be that way. Like, or the propensity for them to, to lean that way. Mm-hmm. like more draconian more you know dictatorship kind of deal because you know i was homeschooled and um people were pretty chill when i was a kid you know we didn't have the insanity we have today like most liberals and straight up straight up democrats when i was a kid if you had just shown them the future right now they would have gone out and bought guns and went to the like you know places that i was going to say but i don't want to get you canceled um <laughs> Seriously, I'm not joking about that. I don't think that's hyperbole. Mm-hmm. So it has definitely been like a you know <laughs> crazy shift. But when I was a kid, I was homeschooled, and a lot of people were really cruel to me as a kid, which which shocks me that adults can be like really cruel to kids about this stuff. And they were extremely cruel to my mother. Um, you know, th- these people would be like, I can't believe that. And they would just walk up to us in the middle of like a grocery store and, you know, why are you guys in- not in school? Oh, we're homeschooled and we're with my mom grocery shopping, you know? Oh, what's, you know, they'd hit us with a math problem or, or ask us some, you know, it was the weirdest thing. Um, and I remember even as a kid thinking like, what gave that other human being a right or made them feel that they had the right to just walk up and start quizzing somebody else's child, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think it was always kind of there. The seeds for it are maybe in humans, mm-hmm. but what maybe activated it, I think, and I hate to sound like a parrot of all these brilliant thinkers, but it's the the Hegelian dialectic, right? It's the problems, the fear that you know, nine eleven was the huge shift. Maybe, yeah, nine eleven was the huge shift because, well, I'm old. I'm gonna bring up an old guy thing. All you millennials will appreciate this one, but the Y two K scare. I'm sure you've heard of it, right? Mm-hmm. How old were you then? You were probably like 10? I'm 25 right now. 
Okay, so you were, yeah. All right, fine. Damn, it's making me feel old. But anyway. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Anyway. He's only 47. For yeah, I'm, I'm only 48, 49, whatever it is these days. I've, I've lost track. No, uh, no, I'm 33. Yeah. <laughs> I am taking my medicine. Ardbeg, tenure, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, so, okay, so what I was saying is the Y2K scare. They were talking about that when the year hit 2000, mm-hmm. that it was going to cause all these problems because all these things that were run on computers didn't have, I don't know who thought that it wasn't going to update to two and you know, one nine, nine, two, zero. Go ahead. They did think it was going to crash, which I've never been able to understand. Even like from an age of like <laughs> seven or eight, when my, when I first heard about this, I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I barely know how to shower by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was shocking that it was such a big fear. Like, you think the computers know how to count to 1999, but not 2000? What? Just none of it made any sense to me. Yeah, pull out your calculator and uh, go ahead and (laughs) add one. (laughs) Yeah, add one to 199 and see what happens. But um, it was a weird time because people back then, you know, the (laughs) that was, I mean, what the Matrix came out in 99, so people were like really enjoying technology you know video games were starting to actually get cool Mm -hmm. like a bunch of stuff was happening you know cell phones and all that shit i think good no what i was gonna say is that nobody during that time of fear was like okay we need to regulate what everybody does with all of their electronics so we can avoid the y2k scare right Uh Nobody went to draconian laws. It was all just kind of like this. Well, let, let's see what happens, guys. You know, everybody's free here. But 9-11 was the marked shift. And I know that's probably also kind of, you know, boring. But that's really what I think it was. I think that was uh, it was the trauma that the self-inflicted trauma. I'll just say it. The self-inflicted trauma that was that gave the opening for like, OK, now we can start delivering some real blows to the American people's rights mm-hmm. and to their freedoms, but everybody's going to just eat it up. I did. As a kid, I did. So I think that the spark of everything we're having consequence to now actually started with the fall of the Soviet Union. Okay, so you went deeper than me. Yes, let's talk about that. That's much so, more fun. If you if you think about it, prior to the fall of the Soviet Union, we had millions billions trillions of dollars invested into intelligence agencies Mm -hmm. infrastructure resources all this kind of stuff all around fighting communism Mm -hmm. however when the soviet union fell all of these resources now need a purpose and now the u.s is the absolute dominant empire in the world Mm. and i think that shift started to come towards the united states people Um, because if you look through the 90s the 90s was not without problems Oh, we, had, <laughs> we had we uh, had Waco and we had Ruby Ridge mm-hmm. and we had the Oklahoma City uh, building bombing and we had the NFA and we had all these types of things that actually happened, but unless it was on your local you know TV station, you really didn't know about it. And people didn't really talk about politics. That you much. just nailed it. It, it is this is a phenomenon we've seen of social media and instant access to global information. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's a I think not that the fall of the Soviet Union was a, a bad thing. It was a very good thing. But I mean not that it didn't just turn one eighty and now we're here again, but <laughs> yeah. but I think I, I think 
even before 9-11, I think. That's yeah. when it started in the 90s. Because yeah. the intelligence agencies were bored. Yeah. Dude, that is 100% true. I think when you really... There are some really weird ties if you do some digging. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to launch into it here because, one, I'm not super, super read up on all of that. But, two... It's also fun to kind of do your own research on it, but I would encourage people to do this. I do it all the time. I tell people, you need to just look up. Just look at the communism, you know, the Communist Party and the Soviet, uh, the Soviet, um, like, actors hmm. that infil- wanted to infiltrate the West, like, openly talked about it, hmm. and did infiltrate the West through... A big, big, big one is Hollywood. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. <laughs> oh, it is. If I remember correctly, it is written Soviet Union communism doctrine that their entire goal was not to beat the West and democracy in an open war, or even an open Cold War. Yes. But to infiltrate it within and win years down the line. Yep. I'm pretty sure I've read the exact words of something very similar. Yes, to that in I know the what you're talking about. I, can't, I my brain's not super sharp, so I can't pull it exactly. But I know what you're talking about. It was either a quote from somebody or something from their doctor. It, it's that's the idea, and it's also an interesting thing because we do see very real effects of like right now we're we're basically in an open dictatorship, kind of. It's I guess you could call it an oligarchy, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is not a rep a. Uh, a uh, constitutional republic. No, not this at all. Is, that is not the country you live in. If you are inside of the United States borders, you don't live in a constitutional republic. Newsflash, if you're not there already. You can't even really say it's a democracy. It's, it's so bad. Yeah, I don't think it's a democracy either. It's crazy to think that even 33 years ago, to the day you were born, 33 years ago, mm-hmm. that even the, even the open conversation about communism was pretty much illegal in in this country like we were that much against it oh yeah you would get your ass beat if you showed up to a town hall and said that you you know were a communist like people would beat you up outside (laughs) and now like if you're not a communist like you're the weird one yeah yeah at at least in in the mainstream which is which is crazy to me how how we shift as a i know it's all part of the doctrine and, and all that kind of stuff that has been played through the years but it's just it's crazy to me that us as a culture, us as the individual people, not government, not these secret spy agents from Russia, none of that mm-hmm. stuff. Just we as a culture have just been like, you know what? Yeah, why not? I think I think that my sister was just saying something profound the other night. She said something about the next generation being apathy. Hmm. They have this extreme apathy, right? And I think that that's given way through. They don't care, so they just want everything for free because they don't really care. And they're still caught in this lie, the communist lie, that's like, hey, if everything's free, how could that be bad, right? If everything, if everybody's working together for the greater good, how could that be bad? And it's like, these people haven't thought it, they haven't thought past their nose Mm -hmm. on these things. But that's what's encouraged today. I mean, we have freaking microwaves, we've got instant everything, you know, uh, you know, Everything we have is like we're, we're working towards the by and large thing from Wally, where you're just floating around in your fat guy chair. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we're working towards. And then you're told not to think in school. You're told not to think when you're in college, especially in college. 
you're told not to think it's your job, you know, if you think out of out of the box, if you've got a normal job, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a box office job type deal, you know, you oh, I'm just going to sit here in my little cube and, you know, you're not encouraged to think outside of the box. Do your job like a cog or a machine and then go home, clock mm-hmm. in, clock out, you know, print the papers, shred the papers, print the papers, shred the papers. And so and people don't care. And unfortunately, I don't think the world will ever get away from that and it's full. I think that's just unfortunately the natural part of the world. Yes. Even before technology as it is in its current stance is like, what did everybody used to do every single day? Everybody used to wake up every single day. They would tend to the garden. Yep. They'd work on their cabin. They'd go to town. They sell what they grew in town. They go home and they do the same thing every single day until they die or they get eaten by a bear. Yep. So I think that's just unfortunately a natural part of society and human nature we just got to find ways to mitigate it and hope and creates a sense a, a little bit more of a sense of uh freedom and enjoyment through our short journey on earth yes and, and you nailed something there right the oh man life has changed whether you know all these guys that are you know even people like us that have a, a real heart for i would say we both have a real heart for other humans and for the rights of humans, right? That's important to us. Not just for the selfish reason of I want to be able to own and do what I want, mm-hmm. but also, like you said earlier, you want people to exist in pe- in peaceful harmony with one another. Like most sane people want that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to. I don't want every day to be like watch my neighbor get beat up because I don't like him. Ha ha ha. No, that that doesn't sound like a fun life to me. A fun life sounds like sharing things with my neighbor, and you know, really. If communism worked, then yes, communism. But it doesn't. It's it is a you know it's, there's a whole problem with it. But um, I forgot where I was going with that, bro. <laughs> I got kind of <laughs> sidetracked. Hold on, let's go back a minute. You said da 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 da. Shoot, bring me back, Jeremy. Uh, we were talking about um how it's just kind of human nature that we we do have to work every day for to some extent and stay yes. in the box. Okay. We got to find a sense of freedom along the way. There you go. So technology, right? The idea that you could just homestead and literally live off of the land sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it like technology is not going to stop. It's too – I don't know why. I mean you could not – you would never be able to convince everybody in the world to like, you know what? Let's just go back 3,000. Everybody break all of your electronics right now. (laughs) You know, It just wouldn't (laughs) work. Um, so technology is going to keep going forward, which is going to fundamentally change the way we live our lives, right? We don't have to do certain things anymore. It's automated. There's a machine that does it. And it's a darker, colder, crappier version of reality, I think. But it is reality. So at some point, you do, I think, have to let go of some of your, like, really your core desires, like that farmland type thing. You could do it. It's still possible. But in a different way. You know, you can't you can't enjoy it like the people that, you know, cut across, you know, the United States way back when and found a giant plot of land. And it was like, well, as far as I can control with this little family is mine, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was awesome. Uh, and we, we won't have that again. I don't think ever. I mean, it's just impossible. So yeah, there's nowhere left to go. Exactly. So there's some of it that we have to accept the changes in America and the changes in the world. There's some of it that you have to just accept mm-hmm. some. No. And there may be, there may come a day where there is a very unfortunate event where there once again is land to explore and, and more room and whatnot. But as the course we go on right now, we're only on our path to becoming more and more condensed as a as a as a planet, really. Yeah, yeah. We're just sad. Um, 
But yeah, all right, moving along. Yep. Let's let's kind of dive into because this will kind of lead us into our next point. Let's talk about the left versus right. And I mean <laughs> this in very general terms. I don't mean the necessarily the, the many 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 subcultures of left versus right. Let's start with the individuals, the people. Mm. What do you think the biggest struggle is right now between your everyday Democrat and your everyday Republican? Ooh. Hmm. Well, I mean, right is right and left is wrong. But um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I used to be that way. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore. I actually have. It's funny how, oh, man, what is the biggest difference between the everyday left citizen and right citizen? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that. This is anecdotal, okay? It's just who I've met and who I've interacted with. I feel like people on the right, and, and both don't like me, by the way. Most people on both sides of the, the, the uh, fence do not like me mm. when they get to know me. So this isn't like, oh, I like people on the right because they like me. They don't. Um, most of them. Anyway, I don't, I've never, I've only met a rare few people that would con- that would call themselves republicans that really want to control how other people act um and i i know there's probably people right now that are just gassed you know oh my gosh what but the truth is is that within a certain parameter right they want people to act sane i would say mm-hmm. you know they don't want people to shoot people they don't want people to stab people they don't want businesses to like poison the shit out of their customers, you know, with plastic in their food. Like they don't want those things. So it's like most Republicans I've met in my life would say, I think government's necessary, you know, but just the bare minimum, which their bare minimum and my bare minimum are not the same thing. But, you know, for the most part, they don't want to control everything you do. If you want to go and play video games all day, they don't think there should be a law against it. They don't think there should be a law against uh, maybe the type of car you want to drive because it looks gay out there on the road, right? Like it, they don't have to, most of them aren't really doing that. They just want to protect their way of life mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, whereas people on the left, in my experience, it's impossible to even have a conversation with people that are pretty left leaning in my life that they don't agree with what you're saying 100%. It's hard to have a conversation with them. They are much less tolerant, which is hilarious and ironic as fuck, but they're much less tolerant of opposing views than the people in my life that are right-leaning. Um, I agree with that somewhat. I, I think a lot of everyday Republicans are just as bad about not wanting to accept other opinions or being able to being able to listen to reason as left left leading people at this point even though mm-hmm. they have different perspectives for example i talk just like at like the um just in my everyday life people from the gym firehouse mm-hmm. whatever it may be is and a lot of them tra- traditionally are re- republican people uh, specifically unfortunately in this day and age very big trump supporters <laughs> and like if you start if you take five minutes to try and explain to somebody why gas being expensive right now is not all biden's fault and it has many many years of implications to be done and yeah you're right and, pre- and you just do all this they just they don't want to hear it they're like no 
and you're like, here's why, and here is all of the statistical facts that back this up based on world events. Then they're like, mm, pipeline. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you're or right. Like, or, or back when the vaccine things, they're like, oh, Biden's making us take the vaccine. I'm like, who do you think came up with this vaccine so fast? Yeah, 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 seriously. <laughs> like, I, I just... I know. I've never understood it. The people, it's the, like, when I think of Trump supporters, I think of every 55-year-old white woman on my Facebook who shared the picture of Jesus holding, of Trump holding the American flag (laughs) while holding Jesus' hand. Yeah. And I'm like, what is, you talk about indoctrination. Oh, dude. I would, I would argue to say, this is, oh, this is not going to be popular. Don't care. (laughs) I would argue to say that a lot of Republicans are more politically ignorant than the left. I would agree with that 100%, actually. I, I would say that, I would say if there were 10 people, 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats standing in front of me right now, I would I would bet a lot of money that the people that were in the Republican group didn't know as much about politics as the people in the Democrat group. And it's because they're not activists most of the time. Most people that are on the left are activists. You know, those are where the activists are. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of boomer, you know, explanations. But, well, that's because they don't have jobs and stuff like that, which is true sometimes, right? But a lot of times it's not true. Um, I know quite a few unemployed Republican supporters. Exactly. <laughs> white exactly. trash. <laughs> that too. And it's it's tough because what happens is I think the people that are activists tend to – uh, do more, and even if it's not research, it could be just, you know, by osmosis, they go to marches, they do these things. So they're hearing about it. Whereas if it blows my mind, the amount of things most people aren't even aware of it, left and right, you know, you could say something like, well, it was really apparent to me with the vaccine. Um, for everybody who doesn't know, I was basically one of those cats in the military that was getting threatened with a dishonorable discharge. If I wouldn't take the juice Perfect. and, um, I was like, no, that, you know, I just didn't. But I would tell people that were, you know, right leaning in the military that were like, bro, just take it. Come on, man. You made your point. It was like, this is not about making a point. Mm-hmm. And I would share with them because I was being ordered to do something that I disagreed with. Like, here are the reasons this is so, you know, messed up. And um, they would read it. They would read it in front of me. And they'd be like, uh, I don't know, though. I mean, it's just a vaccine. It's like, what? Like, my, my favorite is when you would take the paperwork from the manufacturer, like Johnson & Johnson or something. Yeah. And you're like, here's their words saying that this is probably not good for you. And people are just yeah. like, yeah, but what's the worst that could happen? It's like, yeah. <laughs> literally what this paper says. That's the worst that could happen. Yes. And probably more. It's just terrifying, man. It's terrifying. And I think... I think the biggest problem we have between right and left, ooh, no, I was going to say biggest. Let's say one of the biggest because mm-hmm. that's kind of a big statement there. One of the biggest problems I think that America has for getting along and the right versus the left is critical thinking in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Critical thinking because if the left was a little more critical thinking, they would maybe – Stop interpret stupid shit. Yeah, they would interpret things that they think and read a little differently. Mm-hmm. And the right would be like, you know, we probably should get involved in this process. And they would come to some very quick realizations about their government that <laughs> that they wouldn't like. <laughs> which leads me on to my point, which I think this is probably the biggest problem with modern politics and, and really resulted in a lot of the downfall of modern politics is 
people are willing to make excuses for their their own party or specific politicians. Oh, dude. Specifically, like moderate Republicans. If Absolutely. you talk to them, they're like, you're, you're like these politicians, these Republican politicians, signed off on this bill which was related to gun control, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, they had to do something. And it's like, no, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> Actually, they, they did have to. to do something. They had to stand up for the rights they were sworn to protect, but yeah, they didn't. So if you are if you are if you are their voter base and you are their constituents, whatever it may be, and you don't believe in this, but your your elected official goes against it, don't make excuses for them, regardless of whatever that is. It, it doesn't have to be a right leaning topic; it can be a left leaning topic. If you're a left leaning individual, if you're a Democrat, and you know so and so goes against worker rights or something like that and goes for big corporation if you don't believe in that don't make excuses for that politician it should piss you off it should make you mad you should go what the hell you just Mm -hmm. screwed us over yep and that that's that goes you're right on both sides of the aisle it's on both sides i think a lot of people if they could see that's like step one right like when i was mr neocon you know thin blue line every you know oh man i can't america's World police, I don't give a shit. We're badass, you know. I was, I was total Republican retard, mm-hmm. and um, as I grew up, I think that's what I started to realize. I was kind of a nerd. I was always, I said, I was homeschooled. I, you know, I still wear my socks and sandals. Um, no, I'm kidding. I don't do that shit anymore. But <laughs> actually, I never did. <laughs> this podcast isn't getting aired. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> you're canceled. <laughs> I'm canceled. No, but I, I started paying attention to. I used to watch C-SPAN. Yes, when I was in college, I used to watch C-SPAN a lot. We'd turn it on, just listen to Congress talk about stuff that you and everybody's grandfather. Yeah, seriously, I was like the old guy. But what started this? What started to? I started to realize something is that these people that would come on there and argue, and that boy, they come out there and it would just be like it would catch my attention, and I'd be like, "Ooh, they're getting spicy, right?" It was all entertainment because then I would read articles about these people, be like, "Oh, these guys were golfing together." The same guy he was calling a. Uh, subhuman worm for trampling on rights of the American people and all this, and then he's playing golf with them. Oh, they went to the same uh, little. They they put a fundraiser on together. Oh, they both have four private jets. Like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. something smells like shit, right? Sorry, I know I'm trying not to curse so much, but I have I have one of them say their mouths. That's all right. Hmm. So I started realizing something's up, and it all you have to do is a little bit of digging before. I mean, the mask is paper thin. These people are all buddies. They have all got their hands in the same money pots, and uh, that's really the big teller right there. Is just how mm-hmm. you know how much money each of these people stands to make off of playing the same you know objective from different sides, and it's sad. I'm gonna say another controversial thing just while we're on Republican versus Democrat. Do it is <clears throat> over our past four presidents. Let's just look at um, Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Mm-hmm. People. I've seen a lot of memes about it recently talking about how bad the economy was when Obama was in office and then how bad the economy is now that Biden's in office. Mm-hmm. But everybody fails to mention that both economies were absolute dog crap and were in the gutter prior to both of them taking. To- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the housing collapse happened in the last six months of Bush. Mm-hmm. And Ob- I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is still factually correct. President Obama had the fastest economic recovery of any president in his first four years. I have read that, yeah. The stock market also had its fastest recovery in Obama's first four years. Now, lots of other things 
spiraled way out of control and went downhill under Obama. This is not a pro-Obama comment. I'm just saying people seem to have these tendencies and beliefs that things are good under Republicans and things are bad under Democrats, just like Biden right now. Biden did not, you know, acquire this cushiony, nice, perfect little economy from Trump mm-hmm. and then ruined it himself. The economy was downspiring. It was the it supply was, chain <laughs> was falling and yes. crumbling like he yes. had, they, they've made it worse by all means. Oh, yeah. But but it was everybody. Good. The other problem is this fixation on one one person. Right. The right and the left both do it. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, like you said, this whole thing. of Oh, well, they look at this. It's the, you know, but they forget that. Like, did you just forget the last six months of that presidency and just be like, oh, this is fine. Just like with the vaccine thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he's trying to make me take these. Dude, if it was if if the role, if the roles were reversed and it was Trump. That was saying, "Here's the new vaccine mandate." They would it, the, the roles would be completely flip flopped. Oh, I remember when it first came out. The Republicans were like, "See, see, Trump's taking care of us," and all the Democrats were like, "No, we're not going to take this." I'm never taking I'm it. Never <laughs> taking this. And then, like six months later, they were like, "You will take this vaccine." And the Republicans are like, "No, I'm no. not going to do it." You know, I'm you like, "What is wonder, wrong with you?" People? You gotta wonder if these people that are pulling the strings aren't just fucking with us, man. In like, let's just of, see. Oh, my God. In the words of Max earlier, uh, I was Snapchatting him earlier. And we were talking about taxes. This mm-hmm. is what Max said to me. I just want to grab him. I want to shake him and go, what the hell is wrong with you? Because <laughs> that's how I feel with just people that I think are decently yeah. intelligent and are good people in day-to-day life. And then they start to talk about politics left or right to any extent. And I'm like, do you not think for yourself at all? That's That's the worrying part, man, is that it's all TV. Even smart people, like I know a lot of smart people, but maybe the the TV doesn't tell them how to fix a car and they happen to be a master mechanic, but then they just listen to Fox News and that's their opinion. Mm -hmm. Fox News' opinion. Tucker Carlson said this. That's why I think. Literally, even if you try to dig into it with them, you'll be like, well, why do you even think that? Well, I I was watching Tucker Carlson. Okay, hold on. Stop. What? Did you look at the source for what he was talking about? Did you Google it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can Google the source and go read stuff online that, that the person wrote. And then you can find that really quickly, like, oh, wow, somebody put some spin on this, man. My favorite. It's is all like, out there. Over the past couple months, as gas prices have gone up and up and we're sitting around the firehouse. We always listen to the news in the morning. And someone will be like, oh, see, Biden did it again. Biden, he just he keeps ruining these gas prices. Oh. And I'm like, uh, no. Such and such country broke up in revolt, and their oil refineries are shut down. And they're like, "Nah, it's Biden." I'm like, <laughs> "Jeremy, you broke up real bad there for me." I don't know if it did that for the audio, but oh. well, I, I said that with a lot of enthusiasm and passion. So I, <laughs> I know <laughs> if they can hear it, and I have to redo it again, it's hey. going to seem really weird. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. I guess in a week you we'll said something out. about that. You could just summarize it, just in case. You said. You sit around at the the firehouse and there's there's gas prices, you know. Oh, you guys I was talking about. We always we always watch the news at the firehouse in like the morning and the evening, and when gas prices change, people are like, "Oh, look at Biden's ruining it again. The Democrats are ruining it again." And I'm like, <laughs> no, such and such country is in an open revolt, and their oil refineries stopped producing, and the oil market took a hit. And they're like, "Nah, it's Biden." And I'm like, "That's not how. That's not how it works." Well, and that's that's the other problem, too, is the earth, like the countries on the earth have been so interconnected now. We, we're all dependent on each other. 
And so, and I don't know, man, that, that worries me too, because it's like, oh, we all depend on everybody for everything else. So any hiccup anywhere around the world is a problem for the entire world, whether it's a tiny impact or large impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, 9-11 hurt the world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just America, you know, and, you know, earthquakes now hurt the world. It, it's crazy. It's kind of like compartmentalization of information, right? Um, you, you worked in embassy, so you had what? You had your secret or top secret? Top secret. Top secret, right. So you know how they do it. Mm-hmm. So when they, they compartmentalize all this information so that if you become compromised, you'll only spill so many beans, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is a totally different situation, but when you have countries that are self-sustaining, they are resilient. When countries are self-sustaining, they become resilient countries because they can take care of themselves. If you make them reliant on everybody on the planet, that's control, baby. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, hey, guess what? Your money's worth nothing. You got to get this gov bucks, and here's your tattoo. Oh, you don't like that? I guess you like to not eat as well, right? I think that another big thing that people don't realize right now is the fall of a lot of societies around the world right now and a lot of cultures mm. a lot yeah. of countries and how that is going to hit us like a wrecking ball when it catches up with us oh man dude <laughs> because our own infrastructure and supply chain is already struggling and we are an import country not a, not as much of an export country yeah we export a lot but we're also the second biggest country on earth yeah. we import a lot you know we, the most of the stuff we export is made with things that we import <laughs> yeah if that makes sense <laughs> It was not a good system. But like not today, it was officially declared that all oil refineries in Ecuador are shut down because oh the country God. has been in open revolt for two weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're literally just out in the streets, just like just getting after each other. Like they've stormed the government buildings. The oh. military armories are being raided. The country's starving. Like it's it's quite Dude, literally completely falling apart. Sri Lanka, which is off the coast of India, mm-hmm. in the, um, over there in the Indian Ocean, I believe, off yeah. the uh, west side of China, they declared that their government had completely failed, and they have no fuel, and all, they're all starving. It's like all of these smaller countries are just time and time again just starting to add up more and more and more. And as these smaller countries start to fall, then the medium countries fall, then it falls all the way to the big guys. Well, that's... That's the really crazy part, right? Is this uh, the slinky effect? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're going to be, we're going to have some slinky effect from all of this, right? Very, very soon. Because not only do we have these cultures falling, but like you look at right now with the supply chain stretching and all this. And I remember thinking during the whole COVID that it was like, okay, all of these full-on stops of jobs and everything else this is all we feel this immediate ouchie like oh dang but this is gonna be serious problems later later um and when it does catch up it's like it's like it's going to weigh more because we've had longer and longer to have to deal with the small more immediate problems and it's gonna wear people down and then when it suddenly is like one day the truck just doesn't show up with the groceries to the grocery store and they're like well, where is he? And then it's been a week, and now they're like, "Oh shit, we're like out of stuff." I was just telling my mom. I said, "It's it's a, we are like one day away from insanity, and it, it, people just don't even realize it." You think back to the fucking uh, uh, um, 
toilet paper crisis at the beginning of COVID, right? It was crazy. It was insanity, and it happened overnight. Mm-hmm. It was immediate. So people think there's going to be this built. We are actually lucky right now that there is a buildup where it's like, hey, uh, things are going to start to go south pretty soon so, because it could just happen. So I was going to talk about that is I believe statistically the number because with our with our the way our supply chain is set up, we, we live in a just in time um, system yeah. and we we constantly are operating on six month windows. So if mm. we all remember to summer last year, July, August. We had all the backup at the ports and everything and so on and so forth. But changes, prices didn't really change a whole lot. Stock didn't change a whole lot. But if everybody remembers, right around Christmas time to right after New Year's, we started to see a lot of price changes. Mm-hmm. And then things kind of leveled out through spring. Prices are high. And then now we're starting to see price jumps again since we've got into June on like groceries and stuff. Maybe mid-May. Yep. And then come fall again, we're, we're in for it. Mm. Especially with how bad the world's harvests are going in every corner of the world right now. Do you want to talk about that? I would actually, (laughs) I would love to talk about that because we've had multiple food processing plants that have caught on fire, both minor and major in my area in the past two weeks. In your area? In my area. Oh, shit, dude. (laughs) Uh, There's this one that is just a little south of me. I'm talking like 20 minutes. That is like one of the largest... Um, organic um, produce dispensers on the East Coast. All fresh food, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and whatnot. And it caught fire and it went out of service for a little while. Like an entire portion of the building caught fire. And then a, another food processing plant that's just east of me. Um, there was a semi-truck that was pulled up to like one of the bays to unload. And it caught fire, lit the front of the bay on fire, and then like s- smoke-filled and did damage to like a bunch of the products in the building. I just, my, my this dad doesn't actually, happen all the time. My dad you know? was actually on that fire. He responded to that. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. He was sending me pictures of it from the scene. <laughs> See, that's what's frustrating to me though. When I'm, I'm hearing these things and I, I, to be honest, I mean, I'm 33 years old and I've never heard of a food processing plant going up in flames in my life. All of a sudden we got 20, 30 of these like what? And they're big ones, especially at the rate we've had this year, combined yeah. with the whole bird flu fling, which has killed the chicken and the turkey population. Dude, I'm telling you, man. I I think I talked about it last episode with uh, Will. Yeah. The whole if we use just the one example of that um, chicken facility that caught fire in Wisconsin like three weeks ago at this point. Yeah. And you said like. That was the Tyson one, right? The I don't remember that... if it was Tyson or not. It was it was specifically an egg laying facility, oh. but it was like five thousand or more egg laying chickens died. Oof. And I was just talking about like how how major that is, because depending on the breed of chicken that you you get, um, the pre- breed of chicken that it is, it can take anywhere from you know twelve to twenty four weeks for a chicken to start from scratch to get to egg laying age. Yeah. And now we're 24 weeks behind the curve after 5,000 commercial chickens died. (laughs) On top of the millions and millions of chickens and turkeys that have been killed this year, either through processing plant fires or bird flu. Because one of the problems with federal regulation for the, uh, I believe the FHA with bird flu is if any portion of a flock 
contracted bird flu, the entire flock had to be put down. So we've been <laughs> killing flocks by the thousands. Wow. Pennsylvania got hit really hard. I think it was in the beginning of May with that. They had multiple facilities um, that caught that. There was like ones and twosies of bird flu in every single facility, but they had to put all of the flocks down. <laughs> I think at the beginning of May, the number was like we had killed like 8 million commercial oh chickens in the USA God. in just 2022. None of this is good, dude. It's not. No, but it's, it's an unfortunate reality we got to talk about. It is, but it's to me – Yes, it's just terrifying because if you, I mean, maybe this is why I don't get along with regular groups of people, but when things like this and people start talking about these, I can't help but to bring up the fact that people like Bill Gates and people like just a bunch of different people have been talking about synthetic food, bugs, and, you know, like even what was that? The, uh, the WHO was saying that bugs are a healthy alternative to meat. Yeah. One post that was coming yeah. around over the past couple of days was like it was this post talking about how three pounds of cricket has the same nutrients as a pound of ground beef. And I'm like, why are we talking about this? Why are yeah, we yeah, talking about exactly. three pounds of crickets? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who the hell wants to eat three pounds of crickets? And it's just insane because I feel like this is intentional, man. It is. It is. If I was the bad guy, that's how I'd do it, you know. You and know who the largest owner of U.S. farmland is in the United States? Bill Gates. No, the Chinese oh. Communist Party. What? I'm pretty sure the Chinese Communist Party is the is or or their sub owners, their their individuals that own corporations. Are you talking about? Is that BlackRock that's doing that? I thought they were buying up all the houses. Well, that's a different that's a different market. They are also doing that. Let me look it up real quick. Jamie, can you pull that up? <laughs> Let no, me look this I up. thought it was Bill Gates. I know he's been buying up a shitload of farm. I know he was in the lead for a really long time, but I think China was hot on his tail. <laughs> They're chasing themselves these days, man. It's just, it's so terrifying, man. All I put in was how much U.S. farm, and the rest of the sentence says, land does China own in the United States? <laughs> well, you know, that's the that's the advantage of being in a uh, 1984 society. Big Brother, he helps you out sometimes, you know? All right, so this says, at the turn, this is from uh, grasslysenate.gov. So this is okay. a government website. At the turn of this century, China Chinese owners owned about 192,000 acres of farmland in the U.S., according to the USDA. By 2019, the USDA says foreign ownership of US acres exceeded 34.2, I'm sorry, 35.2 million acres, a 60% Whoa. increase increase from the decade prior. Whoa. So China went from owning just under 200,000 acres to owning over 35 million acres. Whoa. That's according to the USDA. Dude. <laughs> Whoa. That's terrifying. That's a lot. I don't know what that is in percentage to the overall farm in, farmland in the USA, but I don't care if it's 1% or 15%. That's a that's you, that's terrifying think? to think about. In uh in 30 years, you think it'll be Shanghai 2.0? We'll call it New Shanghai here. Just, and it'll be cameras on every corner. <laughs> I, it's hard it's hard telling. It's the whole, Chi the whole Chinese Communist Party thing is a very wild just idea to me. 
the fact that they've that they've grown to what they are. Yeah. Specifically through like the history that China has of rebellions against its own governments. I However, mean, I guess it can only time, go. Yeah, it can only go so far. Yeah, I guess I guess the last time the people did try to stand up to government, they ran them over with tanks. Yeah, you know that's what that's why. Don't turn in your guns, kids. That I was gonna just say. <laughs> Don't turn why. in your guns. I remember uh, there was a video that came out of gosh, where was it? It might have been Puerto Rico uh, when they were going through their little hunger stuff after the toilet paper crisis and. There was the whole water fiasco with Trump and all that. You know what I'm talking about? I think that was uh, Puerto Rico. Yes. And there was a video that came out of these protesters that were outside, and they were throwing bags of, you know, whatever, and they were throwing, uh, you know, bottles and things like that. And this APC rolls up on them and just crushes, like, seven dudes. He just turns through this big group of, of protesters and just crushes, like, seven people. And... Uh, Somebody had sent it to me and they said, oh, you know, when they ask you when some, the next time somebody asks you, why do you need a rocket launcher? Send them this. And it was like, absolutely. Because these people, these normies, these regular old NRA bubbas, when you're like, yeah, I don't think there should be any uh, regulation whatsoever on what kind of arms I can own. Oh, so you need a rocket launcher? Well, I don't know, bud. You want to take your 30-30 out there and fight that striker? <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> so this says... Um, Mao Zedong, which was one of the founders of the Chinese Communist Party, from 1958 to 1962, his Great Leap Forward policy led to the deaths of over 45 million Chinese citizens. Jeez. In 1968 to 1971, an additional 1.5 million uh, political descendants were also killed. It's hard to wrap your head around that number. Like that's a lot of people. Can you picture a a building with five hundred people in it, like a restaurant? Can you really picture it, right? Like, no, because you can't even see all the people in the restaurant. Exactly. So say it's a room of fifty people. I think I can imagine that because yeah, I've been in like a land party or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you imagine fifty people and you imagine their lives. Like they all have brothers, sisters, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. They've got a whole ass life, man. Mm-hmm. And you're just sharing the space with them for a second. And then you imagine, okay, that's 50. It's impossible for your mind to even comprehend 500,000 of those lives, let alone three times that, let alone 45. I mean, it's it's incredible. that num- The number of people that were murdered through communism and, and, and by evil people that were in charge of the communism in their countries is unfathomable. Over like, hundred over hundred and twenty million people God. were killed following World War II by communist governments. That hundred and twenty million is the deaths of citizens from their own government. That does not include any of the other wars that happened throughout the twentieth century. Over hundred and twenty million. Hundred and twenty million people. That's so, so many people. That's more than a third of the US population. Mm-hmm. That's insane. All in less than about all in less than about 45 years. God. Yet somehow we've, I think we've tripled our population since World War II. I'm not sure. I don't really, to be honest, I don't keep up with, I, for many years I was saying the wrong population number for America. And people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. I got that from like the 90s when I was a kid. <laughs> World didn't right change now. for the last 15 years. Hmm. What do you think the solution is for the problem that 
America has. I know it's a big one. What do you, what do you think? What do you think we should do? If you were king for a day. If you were Biden for a day. <laughs> if I was Biden for a day and I managed to not shit my pants. Well, you know. This is another, remind me to return to this in a second because I want to have a conversation about the amount of care nurses responsible for Biden on a normal day. <laughs> we're going to get back to that in a moment. Okay, okay. <laughs> How do you fix the United States? The problem is... The problem is there... I, I personally... I very personally believe there is no fixing the United States mm-hmm. because there's no way possible to make everything happy. I mm-hmm. could become president for a day and everybody else goes home. They're like, you know what? Whatever you decide today, that's what we think is best. I can make as many decisions. I could stay up for 24 hours straight and make decisions that I think that are best. And there will always be somebody that doesn't think that's a good idea. Truth. I could shut down every military com- uh, industrial complex in the United States or that the United States funds overseas. And there will somebody that goes, well, what about the wars? Not rich people. But they'll be like, oh, what about the war in Yemen? I'm like, I don't care. Shut it down. <laughs> like, there's, I don't think there's a way to fix it. And there's definitely yeah. not one answer. That is a good answer. So the population of the world in 1955 was just shy of $2.8 trillion. The world population wait, 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 as wait. of trillion? Trillion, yeah. Two point eight trillion. For the whole world. For the whole world. The I popul- thought we were at seven billion right now. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, it is billion. I don't know why I said trillion. I was, <laughs> bro, I was, I was, I was thinking of how much debt the United States federal government is in. Oh yeah. Well, um, damn sorry, it. billion. Just shy of two point <laughs> now I'm sad. Two point eight billion in nineteen fifty five. Now in twenty twenty the world population was 7.8 billion. Mm. So in... We've almost s- hit 8 billion people. Yeah. I'm sure we've passed it. That, well, I don't know. I don't know if we've passed it by now. Maybe. I feel like we need to get on that starship and go to Mars. And here's the other thing is the median age, the median age in 1955 was 23 across the whole world. Whoa. Now... The median age is 31. Wow. Too too many old people. <laughs> too many old people. I volunteer as tribute. Get rid of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go ahead and call this a day. So this, here's, ooh, ooh, this is interesting. Below this chart, it has a world population forecast. Whoa. Okay. So it's saying by 2025, the world, if we continue this trend, should have 8.2 billion people by 2025. Mm-hmm. By 2050, we'll be just shy of 10 billion people. Is that accounting for the great culling of 2030? <laughs> uh, no, but between 2030 and 2035, the jump in population is not that extreme. For some reason. I don't know why, but it's not. Because this goes oh in increments God. of five years. <laughs> hey. Everything moves pretty steadily. And then between 2030 and 2035, it's like, eh, maybe a couple million. <laughs> I don't know why, but it does. The they yearly like change rate also drops you. for some hey, reason, like the percentage. Ooh, ooh. A little ugly. That's funny. Okay, so let's talk about this Biden thing. How many okay. care? How many? How many nurses need to attend to Biden daily? I don't know. Yes. How did you well, find this information out? I don't know how you find this information out, but there's either there's only two answers for the the state that this man is in. It's either that a the Secret Service is wiping his ass. <laughs> or he has not not a nurse. He has a team 
of nurses that take shifts that follow this man around make sure he takes his pills wipes his ass changes his diaper i am 110 percent confident willing to bet the pension that i no longer have on this that biden wears a diaper on a normal basis <laughs> i think so too actually I, I don't care you can come to my house and raid me secret service for listening to this i don't care that man has a diaper on <laughs> I think you're right, dude. I've thought it many suits. times. Because the way he, he'll walk normal, and then he will make a face, and he will walk differently. <laughs> and I am like, that man, the president of the United States, just shat himself in public. <laughs> I was drinking water in the middle of you said that damn near chat. You've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. It happens often. He does. He waddles. like He kind of turns his hands outwards so his palms are kind yes. of up, and then he walks like a penguin. <laughs> When I see that, it's it like is... when you get out of the ocean, oh. you got a bunch of sand in your butt and your bathing suit. <laughs> yeah, you kind of trying... walk awkwardly up the beach to the pool. You're trying not to like let it chafe too much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or come on, you were a marine. I was in the army. If you've ever shit your pants, that's how you walk. <laughs> oh dear God, that's oh I'm in so much trouble. We're getting raided. <laughs> I gotta start thinking of jokes now to tell them. <laughs> I'm gonna if when they show up to my house, I, I everybody has this promise for me. They show up to my house, my first question is gonna be, "Have you washed your hands since the last time you changed your diaper?" <laughs> and if not, I'm gonna invite them in and show him where the sink is. Here, please wash your hands before before we start this. <laughs> Gentlemen, water, drink, wash your hands. All right. <laughs> Oh dear God, that's funny. That's hilarious. I don't no, know. it's it's frustrating because when you think about it, it's like I that's going back to the more serious side of things that the left and the right and oh, it's all Biden's fault. Oh no, he's he's a great guy and all this, right? Everybody's rooting for their figurehead of their team. Mm-hmm. What's insane is that both sides don't see what's going on. There is no possible physical case. Like, there's no answer you could give me with a straight face that I would believe ever that that man won the presidency of the United States by any stretch of the imagination. He was put there by someone and everybody's in on it. I don't, I don't think the presidential election went the way that we think it is for it. It did for either side, because you're trying to tell me that we had a record in U S national history. We had a record voting attendance for both Republicans and Democrats in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then that, at the end, everybody chose the old white geriatric patient with a ra- with a history of racism. Yeah. No. Come on. I don't buy it. But I That's- also don't think that that was the only – oh, man. Look, I don't really give a shit what people think about me. And you don't have to agree with me, even though I'm on your podcast, so I'm sorry. But here's the thing. I don't think we've had a real presidential election for a long-ass time. Mm-hmm. I would say – I'd like to think – and I don't even like him. I think Reagan was probably one of the last real presidential elections we had. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't Yeah, I don't know that either. I think I've done a lot of thinking about this man. <laughs> and I'm not sure about Reagan because he he was the perfect every president has fit some sort of archetype that that would help push the agenda, really the communist agenda forward, right? You look at you look at Reagan. He was an actor. People was they loved him. He was likable. Uh, even people that didn't like him liked him because he was just likable. He was a great orator. 
all the Republicans liked him because, boy, them, the devil's lettuce is bad, you know, and the drugs, we got to kill that drugs. And by the way, we also need to take all the guns. And all the Republicans were like, yeah, let's do it. Like, wait, what? <laughs> You're like, wait, what, what? Yeah. And every time someone's like, I'm a Reagan guy. Like, oh, yeah. So you don't believe in the Second Amendment. What? <laughs> don't touch my guns. Well, Reagan had his fingers all over your guns. Like, so. When I look at that president, I think that really is, was a smart choice because it got the people that were really staunch in their beliefs about the Second Amendment and other things to kind of give up the reins a little bit because, man, this guy was cool and he said some hard stuff. You know, it, it was a crazy thing. I, I look back to I look back to probably Nixon. And when Nixon kind of like messed up with Watergate and that whole thing, you Oh, man, this is you could keep unfolding this paper. It would go forever. But if we just pick a point, I don't know that there was as much control before Nixon as there was after Nixon for whoever it is that's pulling the strings. Call it what you want for who got to be president. Um, I think that was a situation that was some sort of weird accident that something that was planned got out of control. Who knows? Something slipped up there. And after that, I think every president has had a very strategic place in history. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you look back at presidents after right after the country got started. It wasn't that way. Every president didn't have some huge impact on the nation. Um, but after Nixon, it, it was very significant, except for maybe like Ford. <laughs> but even him, even him, some of the housing stuff that happened under him was significant, just more silent. Right. You- but every president. It's been a, a paradigm shift. You want to know who it could possibly all get traced back to? And you talk about papers that never stop unfolding. You want to know who probably is the has the deepest portion of that? Abraham Lincoln. Bro, I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you opened the door. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln <laughs> is not only one of the largest tyrants. And before we get yep. into this rabbit hole, everybody, this has nothing to do with slavery, racism, or anything like that. We're just talking factually about historical events. Yes. Abraham Lincoln was one of the largest tyrants and one of the largest violators of the Constitution that a presidency has ever had in the United States. That's true. He suspended habeas corpus and arrested legally elected officials, 31 of them from Maryland after the start of the Civil War because they pushed for the state of Maryland to join the confederacy and before um the vote was supposed to take place in the um state house in maryland they were arrested on their way to the meeting (laughs) the the ones that were pro-union literally set them up and you're like you know what let's have a vote about it and they told them a day and then when they were on their way federal troops stopped them and arrested all of them and then 31 members of them were charged as traitors I have also brought up the Crazy. fact that when I, you know, because you grow up learning like, oh, President Lincoln is the best president we've ever had, you know. Honest Abe. Honest Abe. Oh, honest Abe. All right. Well, you know. <laughs> and then I remember going to it. I actually didn't learn this until um, I was in college and I was doing some research for I was writing a paper on the Civil War mm-hmm. and I like fucked up and like changed my mind about everything. <laughs> it was a bad time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Union troops. I was like, what was the first battle fought? And I'm going to write about that. And I was like, hmm, 
So Abe sent a guy down there that was a general. Okay, he showed up to a town, demanded taxes for something. Okay, they said no. When the general said, I will kill every man, woman, and child in this state before I leave here without my... Hey, wait, what? <laughs> Hold on, what? Yeah, the, the track history of Union officers through the Civil War is brutal. The it's Union insane. troops moved throughout the South and literally burned cities to the ground and raped women by the thousands. Yep. It, it's I mean, insane, they was, dude. The Civil War is real. Like, people are talking like, oh, the dark it's history so, of the Civil so War. It's so prettied up. The Civil War is dark. Bad. Bad times. Bad. Like, really bad. And, and the thing is, too, is it was also at a bad time in history. There, There is this certain thing where people do, like, it's kind of the same thing, right? Left versus right. Well, the South, they were perfect. Well, they weren't either. Mm, yeah, okay. no, not at all. None of it was. <laughs> slavery, not yeah, cash money. slavery, not cash money, right? But what was funny is, and I, I've said this for a long time, and, and you can, you know, read your own stuff and all that, but... The more I studied Abraham Lincoln in particular and the more I studied the war, the more I decided – and I'm a big history buff. So like what was happening in the world around that time? It's fun to do that for me. Like you anchor certain events like – I don't know if you've ever been surprised by like, wait a minute. That was happening during World War II? What? You know, like it's fun to anchor events to each other. So what I found out when I was you know, studying a lot of history around the Civil War when I was in college and even just for shits and giggles – was that uh, I had less and less respect for Abraham Lincoln. And uh, I also think that he was much smarter and much more clever than people give him credit for. Oh, absolutely. Um, he was not honest at all. He was quite the conniving uh, tool bag. And I think that he used the... Uh, the slavery issue at the time that was already full steam ahead like ev a lot of people that was a movement mm -hmm. at the time and i i always ask people this that don't believe me oh come on he was he signed the emancipation proclamation okay so you mean to tell me that for how many ever hundreds of years these people that were rich in the north owned slaves because many of them did and you mean to tell me that like one day, the President of the United States just signed a piece of paper, and they suddenly stopped whipping their house servants and let them go. Like, what? That doesn't even make sense in any sort of frame of, like, reality, right? Like, the President just said, let your slaves go, so I just did, and I've always been a good owner. Like, what? No, they were all shitty people that owned slaves. Um, and it was a very shitty thing that was absolutely unconstitutional. It, went, it flew in the face of everything they supposedly believed. That's fine. But the slave freedom movement was already full steam ahead. And I think that Abraham Lincoln was extremely wise in the sense that he thought, if I can jump on this and have the moral high ground, I think he knew history would, would you know, bless him for that, you know? So it's funny you bring that up because I've been, I've been sitting on this point, is that when the Civil War first started, um, and you can reference his... Um, presidential address before the Civil War officially started and then after. Mm -hmm. The war never started over slavery. It was over the preservation of the Union. Bingo. Very clear about that on multiple occasions. However, the turn in the war propaganda-wise on the national and international stage of when this turned into a war of preserving the Union to freeing the slaves was that the Union uncovered intelligence 
that the British were going to start um, supplying the South with arms and ammunition. Mm. And then the Union did a flip script-wise because the UK, just before the beginning of the Civil War, had banned slavery themselves, and they couldn't be seen on the uh. sta- on the international stage as supporting a you know a slave country in a war to free the slaves. Well, that's very- interesting, though, because I thought we I thought that the United States was the first country to ban slavery. Oh no, not at all. No, a lot a lot of Europe had already started to move towards, um, like free freedom for all prior to our own civil war. So yeah, I knew a- that. I knew there was like a slavery started to die through this. I mean, it was it was it was globally people started to realize, which is funny because some people still haven't caught up. But we're not ready to talk about them because we need to talk <laughs> about reparations pay. But um, you know, while their extended family still uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of those things we like to worry about the mess in our neighbor's yard before we worry about the mess in our own backyard mm-hmm. it's like not good so <clears throat> now that we've gone way back in history let's catch ourselves back up to modern day <laughs> so like I told everybody before this is getting uh, recorded right at the end of June the date is June 27th so we only have the events that have happened today and prior to discuss. So obviously a big thing that just happened is Roe versus Wade. And we're not going to get into necessarily the details of abortion, but more of just the constitutional effects of Roe versus Wade and where we're kind of going and where it's going to take politics from here. Um, so I kind of want to hear your opinions on, I, I already know your opinion, but I want you to kind of state it for the, the audiences. What is your constitutional perspective of Roe versus Wade? Oh, man. Hard to start with that one. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that the – her name slipped in my mind right now, but the lady that was uh, making the, the claim, right? Mm. The fact that she said she lied, that she was raped uh, later in her life, but that didn't change anything. The, the whole thing to me – was theatrics from the very beginning to the very end. I, I never, even when I was younger and read about it, it didn't seem to make sense constitutionally. To me, there's always been a, a standard that doesn't need to be explained, pontificated on, uh, extrapolated for, none of it. It's just life begins at conception. I believe that. People can disagree with me about that. That's fine. We can have a conversation. That's great. But one thing that I can't have a conversation about, one thing I refuse to have a conversation about, and I don't care what fucking law is enacted or what some Supreme Court justice, you know, dress-wearing man says to me as another free man, if, if, a, if something inside of you has its own heartbeat, you can't deny that that is alive. And I just, even though old Roe v. Wade is, you know, I don't care. <laughs> It's it's just to me that is murder, mm-hmm. no matter what, and it's and it's one of the highest forms of murder because it's murder of the most innocent. We are at our most innocent stage inside the womb. So it's it's to me, people bring up the uh, the Holocaust and it's we make a fucking joke out of that on the daily in America. So I guess back to. Uh, the original question is that because we didn't we, yeah I got, I got a little lost there sorry yeah, you got a little <laughs> lost there you, you got into the passion of it yeah um constitutionally as far as constitutional ruling goes was roe versus wade overturned constitutionally correct 
Well, uh, I'll say this because I actually don't like talking about the Supreme Court and the Constitution anymore because I don't feel like anything matters in the Constitution anymore. Like n- none of it really matters. So people could bring up this or that or the next thing or this is unconstitutional. That's dude. None of none of what our government's doing right now is in line with the Constitution. That document failed. That's, that's a fair point. So well, when it, I don't. It failed. I don't I mean, know if it's we, fair to say the document failed. I think it's fair to say that we failed. What I mean is the document was put in place to restrain government from trampling on people's rights. And it didn't work because, you're right, we failed. But that that idea of we'll just make a document and then everybody has to follow these rules was assuming that everybody was going to follow the rules. Yeah. Um, and people say, well, it's not true. Some rights just aren't absolute. Okay, so is the right of freedom of speech. Okay, say the N-word on the air. Is the right of free speech still there? Are you gonna Are you gonna get arrested? No, you don't have First Amendment. Okay, Second Amendment. I can't even put a fucking stock on a gun if it's less than sixteen inch barrel length. So no, the Second Amendment is gone. All right. Fourth Amendment. You can <laughs> that one went away with the Patriot Act and the Fifth Amendment. All I mean, we have literally just taken the. We might as well just take that actual Constitution that's underneath that bulletproof glass and just literally wipe our asses with it. It is useless at this point. So when it comes to things like Roe v. Wade and all this other bullshit, that is just, to me, it's just an instrument for the globalists to use to strum on people's heartstrings. It doesn't actually matter. It's already done. We already have lost all of the things we supposedly are going to fight for in the future. We, we just, we've, we've already lost the important stuff. It doesn't matter. And on top of that, the Supreme Court shouldn't even be a thing. We, uh, those people are appointed, They're, you know. They weren't elected, they're appointed, and they get to make the final say of everything based off of the faith we have in our voting and election system, which we all know is completely corrupt. So do we really – the Supreme Court, is it really a good thing? I don't know. <laughs> well, in in theory, the Supreme Court is a good thing, but you have to – you you have to consider that the Supreme Court is doing what it was written and designed to do because at no point in time ever in history – was it planned for Supreme Court justices to be left-leaning or right-leaning? The majority, True. minority on the Supreme Court. The total purpose of the Supreme Court was interpretation, legal interpretation of the Constitution. Does this does this pass the Constitution or does it not pass the Constitution? They're supposed to be completely politically unbiased. But once again, we, as in we the people, have failed or our politicians have spoiled that exact thing because each administration tries to sway the Supreme Court when it's their turn to pick a justice based on their own political uh, presentation. See, but that that's kind of the issue for me, right, is that we've, we... I understand the idea that the Founding Fathers had is, like, this will hopefully balance out. The best they could do was hopefully. I mean, think about it, man. They found themselves in an impossible situation. They just beat the largest, most powerful empire the Earth has ever known. And now what? <laughs> right? Yeah. They were in the, I didn't think I'd make it this far stage, <laughs> right? So they did the best they could. They were brilliant men. But when they wrote this, when they came up with this idea, yeah, cool. I see where the people that were trying to steer the country in the right direction were going with the Supreme Court. But human nature is... There is no perfect government. It doesn't matter if we could each be like, I'm going to set up the perfect government for my local state and blah, blah, blah. It, it, within 50 years, it would crumble into into uh, corruption because that's what humans do. Mm. We're corrupt. 
you can reset, you can fix things, you can recorrect. It's just like your own life. You know, I'm going to work out seven days a week and then you work out too and you're like, ah, or I'm, I'm going to eat better. And then it's like, ah, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to save money and you don't, you know I mean? We have to correct, but we're always corrupt. So when you put somebody in such a high form of power instead of limit, okay, I'll say this. I've thought this for many a year and I just never really wanted to say it. If our founding fathers could make, if I could go back and give them hindsight, I think, and I hope, I, I imagine maybe they would not create a government that was as powerful as it was, which I guess they didn't. That really happened. As you say, they, they did. That happened in the Civil War. That's really yeah. the truth. Yeah, prior to the Civil War, and that was part of the problem that the Union kind of argued was that the federal government was not powerful enough. Yeah. And the Confederacy wanted the federal government to be smaller and stop with this interference. True. I mean, the founding fathers created, in theory, in theory, almost perfect government. Yeah. We just changed as a society away from their thinking. Because yeah. everybody back then, even though they had their minor disputes, nobody liked big government. They True. just had disputes <laughs> on what the idea of minor federal government looked like. Well, and I think I think that's what kind of manifested during the Civil War was you had – The Tenth Amendment? The Tenth Amendment also is very specific. <laughs> True. Like any problem we have should be should be solved by the Tenth Amendment. Oh. What? You broke up. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Uh oh. I can hear him. Can so you hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Yes. Saying, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. So where you broke up, just so you know, in case it's messed up. Well, you, you said you, the 10th Amendment is very clear, and that was you, it. You sound really funky now, because I could hear you through all of that, and now you sound like a robot. I sound like a robot? Yep. Oh, no. Hang on. Let me figure out what's going on here. Sorry, folks. Temporary pause. Oh, no. What is going on here? Weird. Let me... He sounds real weird. This is why we need a technical team. Maybe I need to put a technical team together. Dude, I don't know what's going on. Let me see my ping real quick. I'm going to pause this real Sorry. quick, folks. We'll be back in a moment. All right, folks, okay. we're back live again. David, I don't think sounds like a robot now. I don't think I do. Do I? Uh, I don't think so. If you do, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> okay, uh, there we go. <laughs> but like I was saying prior to, um, the 10th Amendment solves quite literally any issue at least on the federal level that we have because it would not exist True. if our own elected officials and us as a society would have held the 10th amendment to them and held government accountable we would have in theory zero issues yes uh, you know it always shocks me when i've thought of the 10th amendment because you know everybody talks about the first the second the fourth the fifth you know you look at some of the other amendments, it's like, oh, these kind of get weird. The Tenth Amendment was, like, kind of shocking to me. Um, uh, actually, you know what? For people, because for many years I didn't know what it was. So let's. So basically it talks about, um, like, anything that's not in the Constitution being left up to the states. Yeah, so on, as, a gen just... as a general summary. All... Here, I'll read it. I'll read it because okay, this is good. This is good. For those of you who haven't, if you're driving and listening, because that's what I do, I know you're not going to have time to look this up and you forget. The Tenth Amendment says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, okay, yeah, nor prohibited by it to the states 
are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. I'll read that one more time. The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Pretty clear cut. Pretty and clear somehow, cut. And somehow we did we everything but what that said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not good. We, we, it was like one of those things where people are like, what, what do you mean they have to put do not eat on motor oil? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the other problem. Oh, that's a whole other rabbit hole. Is that, unfortunately, some people are so dumb that they have to be governed. <laughs> well, like, I don't I don't know what like I don't know what happened whenever simple things like those little silicone packets that come and things to keep moisture out. I don't <laughs> know what happened when those first came out where people were like, "Oh, look, it came with a snack." And they were just eating them by the, the thousands <laughs> and people were getting sick. And the government was like, "Shit, we got to do something about this." <laughs> like, why were we so dumb? Like if we weren't yeah. dumb, government wouldn't need to interfere. <laughs> That's true. I think I think though that our lifestyle has made us dumb. Um, I have we, never once, even before I could read, looked at that and been like, you know what? This looks like I should eat it. <laughs> that, that looks like edible food. This dry, faded piece of paper. Yep. I should eat this. It's just who weird cares, to me, man. Who cares that I found it at the bottom of a cardboard box? Yeah. You know. I, well, for me, it was the beef jerky. So you know, I've only eaten like eighty of those packs, which is why I'm so dumb. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the, if they didn't want you to eat it, they shouldn't put it in there with beef jerky. That's all I'm saying. Because when it's dark and you're sitting in a Humvee and it's like zero three and you're tired, you're like, "What is it? Is this another piece I forgot?" You oh, the last piece. It's greasy <laughs> like beef jerky. Oh, it got me again. <laughs> got me again. Well, I already bit it, so I might as well finish it. Better, better. I, I mom always taught me to finish what I started. <laughs> Oh my God. So back on track to where I, I originally wanted this question to go is where, not based on abortion, but based on the political effect it has, where do you see us going with the whole Roe versus Wade thing now being official? So as a, as a general summary, mm-hmm. for everyone listening, I'm sure everybody knows, but just again, because this yeah. is being released later, um, through the weekend, we saw heavy protests, heavy riots in some areas, conflicts with police again. Mm-hmm. We're kind of we're kind of in the beginning stages of what we saw with the BLM riots in 2020. Yep. What's weird is it's heavily in cities or states where abortion is already remaining legal. See, I don't find that I don't find that ironic at all. Because I don't understand it. Well, the it, it is a if it was an argument before, it's now just written in stone for everyone to see on a billboard for the entire freaking nation to see. The people that are insane about this stuff, the people on the left, and I hate to keep picking on the left because both of them are all jacked up, but mm. these people don't think, they're not actually thinking. You know, it is, see, see you know, uh, what is that uh, neuron activation meme? Where's the monkey? <laughs> you know, just yes. staring. It's like, oh, Roe v. Wade is overturned. So what? In California, they just start rioting. Um, yeah, L.A. probably still saw legal some of the there. Worst riots. It's still legal there. They don't care about that though. It's just they they are reacting to something that they are. Hey, this is something that goes against the message. Now be mad. You know? Oh, okay, I'm mad. It's like in Chicago, like Mayor Lightfoot or whatever. Like Saturday, <laughs> she was out there with all of 
the pro-abortion protesters and the pro-choice protesters and all of that kind of stuff. She was out there like, yeah, you know, I think I'm pretty sure she said like F one of the Supreme Court justices or she, like she like <laughs> yeah. said something very vulgar <laughs> against one of the Supreme Court justices as an elected official in front of thousands of protesters. And then that night, the protesters just went into full conflict mode with the police. And it's like, do you why? think that do, do you ever get the idea or the feeling like we people will say this is like idiocracy or this is like um the hunger games but it's like worse than that because this so is real life you know this is like the least think in those in those movies yeah it's just like i see these people that are in charge of other people and the way they dress and the things they talk about and you know the the you know dun, 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 vaccine you know and <laughs> i i see these things and i think this can't be fucking real life man but it is but it is. Um, so to answer your question, <laughs> to answer your question, as far as what I think is going to be the effects of, like, the constitutional effects of Roe v. Wade, I think it was a bad co- – if we're going to – I'll play devil's advocate for a second. I'll, I'll pretend like I still believe in all that stuff, and, and I'm going back to 15-year-old me. Roe v. Wade was never a good constitutional decision. It was a bad decision, and it was unconstitutional if you just looked at it legally. It was a ego and emotion-driven decision by pe- by a stacked Supreme Court at the time that stood for a long time because of the implications that they, they dug their heels in fast. They wasted no time after that decision making abortion, selling the murder of unborn children as a right. And it became so ingrained for so long because <laughs> term limits um, were never in place and still aren't that um, it's been really hard to overturn. And I personally, and I know I'm sounding all conspiracy theory Mike on here, but I personally think that this was extremely uh, calculated when they decided to open this back up. If you look at the red flag law that's about to pass, mm-hmm. very interesting one. Um, some other things you get one side riled up, you know, it's sleight of hand. They're, they're confused. And then everybody else is talking about, Oh, isn't this awesome that we got our concealed carry stuff in New York? Really? All of this is just crumbs. So if I think anything, it's just going to be, I think the constitution will become the weapon of the globalists against the American people. Good. I, I sent you that snap today of me talking about how I think both the whole thing with the concealed carry thing and now Roe versus, mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade being overturned today. I think that this is all purposefully done now that the primaries are done and now yep, purposely that's right. done to, in, to um, what would be the word? Uh, influentiate. To uh, influence the, the election. The, the coming election. Yeah. Not that I think the election fully matters, but if you can convince a population that the election matters, then mm-hmm. once they do meddle with the election, people aren't going to be as upset about it. Well, and the more natural you can make it appear, then the better, right? That's less work. Which one's more work? Rigging the thing to the nth degree or, you know, just affecting it uh, through a, a, you know, a, a, what is what would you call that? An indirect way. Because mm-hmm. even with the whole pro-life, pro-choice thing, a lot of moderate Republicans are split on that. <laughs> I know it's insane, dude. Um, it's so insane. now you you kind of make people go, oh well, I don't, I don't know. Do we have the red wave coming this this November? Do people stay left now because the Republicans are taking over and blah blah blah? You know, 
what happened? None of it really matters. We're doomed anyway. But yeah. <laughs> I hate to, the, I hate to the burst the bubble. Burning, but... We're sinking, and we're like, you know, I think this rope should go on the left side, not on the right side. I'm like, do we got another rope? Let's do both sides. Let's do both sides. I think if we tie that up, we might start. A, oh, that's on fire too. Okay, well, look as over a, here for a minute. <laughs> as a side note for the protest, we've talked about this in the past. Neither one of us are um, pro police or thin blue liners by any means, but we're also. Yeah of common sense and whatnot. And nothing makes me want to support the police more than watching Antifa riot. No, I agree, but because it's, it's tough for me. I'm I'm me and you don't see eye to eye on that. That is something we disagree on because I whether it's Antifa or not, to me, I would almost see the police as a worse form than Antifa because they've been terrorizing the American people for decades and Antifa just got here. Oh yes, but I mean, so like the example I was going to bring up is I watched this video today. I think it was from L.A. It's either from L.A. or Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Colorado's been out of control, bro. <laughs> I know. And there, it's it's a daytime. It's not even dark. It's a daytime, and there's this line of riot police, and this one guy goes up to this shorter riot policeman that's holding, I think, like a rubber bullet gun or a beanbag gun, one of the two, mm-hmm. and he goes right up into his face in the police lines. And he goes, "You gonna shoot me?" You gonna shoot me, little man? You gonna shoot me? He's just yelling in this cop's face. Uh-huh. And the cop's like, get back or I'll shoot. Get back. And he takes another step towards the cop. And now he's like nose to nose with the guy. Um, and now like five or six Antifa guys come up in the guy's face. And they're like, are you gonna shoot me? Are you gonna shoot me? And they're just harassing this dude. And I'm just like, nothing. I. That's not fair to the police. I don't <laughs> care how much bad shit they've done. The fact that they're expected to just sit there and take that is just dumb. That Antifa dude should just get his ass kicked. Agreed. I don't care if he's got a badge on or not. You should not be able to go up into another man's face and just no. raid another man like that and just expect to get away with it. But that's that's part of that's part of the conditioning. Okay, so there's two things on that, right? First, I've always maintained, even though I do not, will not, cannot support the police. I've always maintained that humans, whether they're uh, an Antifa person, a police officer, you or me, or a freaking drag queen. Well, not those people, those people. But most humans, most humans, 99% of humans <laughs> have the right to self-defense, except for pedophiles. Let's just call it that, okay? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Except for pedophiles, every human on the planet has the right to self-defense. If someone is attacking you, you should be allowed to defend yourself. It's just the it's the right of battle, right? You think this person's bad enough to kill? Well, then apparently you're good enough to kill somebody who can defend themselves like that. That's just the right of it, right? Like you're going to attack. They should be able to defend. But the second part of that. So I always, you know, if a police officer responds to being attacked by shooting back, I've never been like, oh, I can't believe. Now, they may have instigated the shooting, which then it's like, well, the same rules that apply to civilians should apply to police. In both ways. Civilians aren't told that if six people are surrounding you with weapons in their hands, yelling at you and antagonizing you, that that's not a a very real physical threat. Um, You are allowed in many – I'm not a lawyer. Don't take what I'm saying for law, but look at your laws or whatever. But in many states, you don't have to run away, and if someone is threatening you with a weapon, you can defend yourself. But for a cop that's part of the, you know, military war dog, you know – mindset that they instill in police officers and law enforcement officers is you're like a fight you're like a fighting dog 
you know, they put you out there in these situations, they stress you the hell out, but they never take you off the leash and they don't let you defend yourself. But then they also tell you that you are, have more power than anybody else. So it's this really bad mix where you have situations like that, where this cop is just sitting there, just, I would be raging in that cop's place. You know, in my mind, I would be like, I'm going to murder this dude because he's scaring me. He's an asshole. He's in, he's trying to piss me off. You know, all these things. It's it that is a bad situation both ways around. But I do agree with you. Yes. Every time an Antifa person gets their ass kicked, I can't help but giggle a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but by no means was that made to be like a pro police comment. Because <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not afraid to say that I'm not a not a thin blue liner to any extent. Um, but yeah, we just uh, I hate to sound like a like a boomer. But like, <laughs> yeah, this, Watching Antifa get their ass kicked by police is hilarious. It is pretty funny. I <laughs> mean, hilarious. I'll always laugh at those videos. I think they're it's hilarious. Like, you guys were really big, bad, and funny until they did literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> All they did was walk towards you and yell and sink, and now you guys are terrified. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the people that I've met, some Antifa people, you know, and they just, they whether or not they train, because some of them do train, they train hard, um, they are just the they are they're fragile people i'll put it that way some of them are maybe skilled but they are fragile people that's why they're part of that organization in the oh, first yeah. place it's just like all socialist or communist movements or revolutions throughout the world in the past 100 years is that their power comes from being in numbers not from the power of an individual yeah bingo or or an ideal even really because their idea sucks mm-hmm. you know when when you're machine gunner in your squad wants to be the philosopher that also writes art and trips on mushrooms on the daily when they have their new communist <laughs> utopia <laughs> they're in for a rough ride <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i guess where what happens now Ooh, does man. this just die out in a month does this lead to something bigger Will the riots get much worse? You know, what what do you see coming? <clears throat> well, I you know, it's hard to say because with the BLM stuff, there was reason during that, I think, for balkanization. I think that was one of the catalysts that was a missed opportunity for states to say, you know what, we're not going to be part of this. Uh, your county sucks because you're just letting people rape people, burn people, hit people with things, do whatever. You're telling the cops to stand down or you're telling us – you're telling, you know, there's, why are people putting bricks around the city? Let's talk about that. That would have been the time to shrink your government uh, and sphere of influence as a state. And Just in time, Soros delivery service. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and I think, too, they should have taken a lesson from the chop, to be honest. I say this and people look at me weird, but they should have taken a lesson from the chop. Chop got away with it. Okay, so why not a whole county in Idaho? Why not four counties in Montana? You know, hey, this we're our own thing, man. We're not part of this. Um, that would have been the time to do it. However, nobody did anything. So now that we're going to probably have a second round of riots, um, I don't know. Are we going to have a uh, Boston Massacre type thing? I'm not sure. Uh, what I hope will happen is I hope people will stay safe. I do want people to be able to exist together in peaceful harmony, but I don't believe that will happen. So I, what I hope will happen 
is that those communities that are inside of you know these areas, these behind enemy lines things, I hope that they will stay safe and they'll band together, you know, rooftop Korean style and build some bonds. And I hope that people that have been sympathetic to these causes and maybe a little bit blind to the political culture um, when their shop is assaulted by people they supposedly stand with, some of them are going to be brain dead enough to be like, this was the price I paid for being an activist and I would do it again. But some people are going to be like, whoa, they're going to get a reality check and they're going to be like, Stuff's kind of fucked up. What are we doing here? Because I saw a lot of that after the lockdowns when small businesses would lose, you know, lose everything. And then the, those people are kind of going like, this is bullshit, you know. So hopefully that will happen, um, you know, too little too late. But maybe with enough people starting to critically think because things have just gotten so bad, maybe we will start to balkanize and, you know, counties, states – Cities even, you know, might start to flourish in smaller circles, maybe. But that rebirth is going to be a fucking uh, rough. <laughs> I think if the riots continue through the summer, because the BLM riots really lasted from like May to like October. Yeah, it it's was weird a how while. they always die in winter. Uh, who knows? Yeah, it gets too um, cold out there. <laughs> too cold. <laughs> um, if this lasts until August, maybe September, where we're expected to feel the next round of supply chain hits, mm-hmm. um, I'm curious as if this will turn into something bigger, something that you see in these other countries right now, these smaller countries, mm. like, uh, Ecuador and all that, where they yeah. start they stop rioting over small political things, and they start rioting over the fact that they just don't have food and <laughs> yeah. And if everybody's yeah. already been outside all summer fighting with the police and fighting with the government and neighbors are on edge and now you take away the food or now you take away the gas you know things escalate like pouring diesel on a fire i mean it's just boom. yeah it's gonna be bad because hunger is man hunger hell of a motivator yeah hunger will make people do some insane things man and we we live our lives in this long kind of form like oh next year i'm gonna do this or next year but when you suddenly stop getting paid by your job because they fired you for whatever reason, whether it's, um, you know, the fact that the people that pay your job stopped paying or the fact mm-hmm. that they you can't get there because you can't afford gas, like, it doesn't matter. You're going to get a final paycheck, and then what you have is what you have, and then all of a sudden people want what you have, and it's going to be fucking rough. And with the lack of truckers we have right now and the price of oil so and everything insane. going up as it is you know what happens if these riots continue and these truckers are like well i'm not driving to chicago or richmond or denver or la or houston or any yeah. of these other cities that are seeing these massive disruptions yep now everything just shuts off that's a good point actually and something i haven't really thought about very much is it may be that the extreme effects of what's about to happen will be localized. You know, it probably isn't going to cascade across the entire nation, at least to the same intensity. It will be in those places like L.A., Seattle, uh, you know, Chicago, uh, New York City, places like that. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that a lot of your food distribution centers are in these major cities. Yeah. Like, yeah, like let's take Cincinnati, for example, because Cincinnati is really close to me. Cincinnati has a huge Kroger's distribution center there. 
Um, they process a lot of stuff, but they also, you know, get stuff from other places. Sure. So let's say the protests, the BLM protests weren't horrible. They were bad in the beginning, just like everywhere else was in here. It's the same, but they weren't as long, long strung out as other places. True. But let's say riots start again in Cincinnati and truckers go, well, I'm not bringing anything to Cincinnati. They're going to rip me out of my truck on yeah, the 75 bridge. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going there. So Cincinnati doesn't get its delivery. But all of those subdivisional areas around there and all of those suburban areas, now their individual grocery stores don't get those you know, daily deliveries from that major distribution center in the nearest closest city. And now it's a trickle-down effect. Mm. That's the scary like, part, man. <laughs> people are like, oh, we're out in the country. We're fine. We'll go to the local store. It's like – Where do they get their shit? <laughs> yeah, their shit doesn't just come on a big box truck from a major distributor city, states yeah. away. It comes from a local distributor. Yep. It's a chain. It's not one big line. Yeah, and I think I, that's the thing. I do think that the that some of it will, but I mean, as far as riots go, yes, there may be some food, you know, f- some food shortages, some stretching, some things that cause issues. But if I think about where I would want to be in the absolute apocalypse, if I had to be out in you know the boonies in farmland or even not farmland, just in rural America, there are good hearted people there that I could probably get a a scrap of food for doing some sort of work on their farm or something. If I was in the city, I would have to be a post-apocalyptic Mad Max warlord to eat well. And then I would just lose my humanity because I'd be like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets the point you're so hungry and you're watching things happen daily in front of you that are breaking your humanity that how long do you hold on when you're stuck in L.A. when it's literally escape from L.A.? And, <laughs> and to add on top of all that, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing escalated significantly today. Oh, wait. What happened today? I haven't caught up with that, Ben. So the, the, uh, the, NATO, the NATO military, um, we'll just call it board, their, their command system officially, 100% officially, I've been talking about it, but it is official today. The combat readiness group for NATO in um, Eastern Europe is uh-huh. being um, changed from 45,000 to 300,000. Uh-huh. In addition, Russia also officially announced that they are moving nukes from Russia to Belarus because Belarus, <laughs> not too long ago, amended their constitution that made them a non-nuclear state. Bro. So both of those decisions came out side by side today from both sides. It also came out today that China has historically hit the all-time fastest um, military uh, growth out of any military in history. I do. I wonder. I don't like to think about this often, but I do wonder how long before we have complete nuclear mutually assured destruction. Some somebody's gonna be stupid. Somebody, something. I don't. Who knows? I don't know. I'm also curious about that too. It's like, when do the gloves come off? Yeah. Because <laughs> even if you think about cyber warfare, yeah, the Ru- Russia could absolutely mess up the U.S. cyber cyber wise, and the U.S. could significantly mess up Russia cyber wise. But neither one of them do it to each other. Like if Russia wanted to, they could shut down our power grid today. They have those capabilities. For anybody that didn't know, they have those capabilities. We have the same ability to do it to them. The weird thing about cyber Broke right up again. now. So what? I said that. Broke up again. Can you hear me? 
Yes, you said something about cyber warfare being concerning just like nukes. Oh, yes. So the concerning part about cyber warfare is that we live in a state of cyber warfare where all of the power is held in offensive, but not defensive. There is very little you can do to defend from cyber attacks. If you ever listen to anybody that's in the business or in the intelligence agencies talk about cyber warfare, our our current infrastructure and our current understanding of cyber, it's it's almost impossible to hold out other intelligence agencies or other hacker groups from hacking or doing other cyber warfare related things. So everybody, most of the major countries at any given point in time can conduct cyber attacks on each other's countries just for some reason we choose not to do the major stuff yeah (laughs) yeah like if russia wanted to today if russia was like you know what i am tired of you guys sending ukraine shoulder fired rockets so you know what no more lights for you and they just hit a button they can shut everything off yep and then if the u.s wanted to we could just be like you know what we're tired of you making us look bad Mm -hmm. shut your lights off and we would all live in the dark (laughs) yeah literally Literally, it's insane. And it's another really, big, really and, insane. And another big part of that is that people don't know is Russia has the best nuclear-capable weapons in the world right now. Yeah. Well, that we know and, of. <laughs> that we know of. I'm, I can't remember when it was, but I listened to a defense official talk about how Russia had surpassed us in nuclear capabilities. Not necessarily the power of a nuke, but the strike capabilities of nukes. And so I'll make a very long story very short. The U.S. Patriots um, system, which is our most modern version of um, nuclear weapons, is severely behind technology-wise in comparison to the new systems that uh, Russia has. So it takes 24 hours to prep, 48 hours to launch, generally speaking to public knowledge, a U.S. Patriot nuclear missile. Where, mm-hmm. And we can only launch those from a limited amount of platforms. Whereas Russia, they have not only more nuclear submarines on constant rotation around the globe than we do, but they can fire more advanced nuclear weapons from both air and surface in addition to their submarines. And it takes less prep time. Wow. So, in a sense, Russia could beat us to nukes at any given day of the week. The U.S. has a ton of... This was something that blew my mind, is the U.S. has a ton of nuclear submarines, but the majority of them are at port at any given point in time. A very small portion of them are actually at sea rotation. Yeah. Dude, it's it's a crazy thing because the pure destructive power that these governments have, that I mean, like, we can't really fathom it, right? Like, when we think of nuke, we think of, like, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, those were 15 uh, kiloton, 16 kiloton bombs. You're looking at like stuff we can put on the fucking wing of a fighter jet in its six or nines that is 300 megatons. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pop. <laughs> you know, they, they could make a country disappear with one bird. And it's kind of scary to think like, you know, that that power is out there and somebody is the person that can give the thumbs up and erase a country. Like and that's I think, it's too and much. I th- and I think we're inevitably heading towards that. I am yeah, a I very, so very, very firm believer 
that Russia will either win this war in Ukraine or it will nuke everybody in the process. Hey, <laughs> hey, we're going to go out with a little bang, you know? Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Putin will not lose this war. No. This will not be the end of his legacy. That's well, another hilarious thing that people always talk about. People always talk about, oh, Russia wouldn't have invaded Ukraine if Trump was president. Oh, the, my God. <laughs> the the, the ex-Spetsna, you know, authoritarian president who kills his political opponents in secret does not fear Donald Trump. I hate to break that to you. <laughs> but, that man but, does but, judo and rides horses bare-chested. Like, yep. he doesn't care. What, he doesn't care. Who's president. Not to mention that he funded and quite literally fought a ground war in eastern Ukraine while Trump was president anyway. Yeah, I know. That's the other part. It's like it's like both sides of the aisle get like short term memory loss when it goes to the next one. They're like, that would have never. It's like, dude, it just did. Like, how do you not remember? And nobody calls him on it. It's insane. It's both sides. Like that. Well, Trump would have never made us take that. He's the one that did Operation Warp Speed, man. Like, get out of here. Yeah, man. It's depressing. Which is why I just, you know, I've I've just been like, I don't want to be depressed, man. I don't. So. To not make you depressed, let's talk about our last topic, which is change and hope. What type of hope? That was good. (laughs) What kind of hope do I have? What kind of hope do we have? (sighs) You know, I struggle with this one because there's not a lot of hope to be found. I feel like we're kind of scraping around, finding the little scraps of like hope. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think that that struggle mental emotional struggle of finding hope is part of what will create possible paths to a more peaceful and good future right is that times have been really rough like i think back to like you know the 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 black plague right it happened it was horrible it was terrible but people somehow kept hope in their hearts and minds and um they made a way through that, and now there's people like us because somehow our parents or somebody in life has, you know, um, imprinted upon us a certain set of morals or values, whether that's about freedom, whether that's about human rights, whether that's about God, whether that's about just morals in general, how, what's right, what's wrong. So the only thing I think we really can do is when things get too big and too crazy and too out of control, you can worry about a lot of that or – you can focus on what's right around you, right? Shrink that sphere of influence so it's like, well, how's my life look, you know? Am I taking care of myself? Am I being, you know, I'm guilty of it too, right? Like there's a lot of things about my own life that I could change and be more disciplined with that would give me a sense of peace. And then I could expand that sphere of influence out to my maybe, uh, you know, my my cul-de-sac, And then I could expand it a little further to maybe my whole neighborhood and then maybe my city and then maybe my state. But right now, worrying about what's happening in L.A. is only doing harm to my brain and also making it harder for me to uh, be more disciplined with what's right in front of me. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes the picture is so horrifying to look at. You just got to, like, focus on one piece. It's a very good point. And I think. I can't stress it enough. I think you connecting with people on your community level, whether you're, you know, 
doing it from like the militia or Minuteman perspective where you're mm-hmm. doing it just to create community relations. I cannot stress enough how important that is to do. Yes. That is the old, the good old trick. I mean, that we have to revert back to being more connected um, at our, at our community level or nothing yeah. will ever change. Speaking of which I have been looking, I need to find me a group here you need so to I do can something. start training because I haven't been training or connecting with guys. I am, I am El Solo out here. There is always time. There's always time to do the things. I can promise you that. There's yep. always time. But, you know, I, I think this has been a rather, I don't, I don't call it Doomer pod, uh, podcast. Episode, <laughs> Come on, man. This was but it, but it's this been straight a, Doom porn, man. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about the whole world ending with nukes here just five minutes ago. You can't. <laughs> That's a valid point. But there is hope. There's always there is hope. There's always hope. There's always a brighter side. Things always get better. There's not a single time in history where things don't get better. But there's also not a single time in history where things don't get worse before they get better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so just how much worse can they get is, I guess, where we're asking you. Oh, worse. Much worse. It get yeah, it get bad. <laughs> Real bad. It gonna, it gonna be bad. No, it I think be bad. we'll be all right. I think as so. As long as you've been prepping, and you're making friends, mm-hmm. you're planning, and you're not just sitting on your ass and going on four vacations this summer and wasting a bunch of money. That's the thing that drives me nuts is all these people that are like, oh, well, the world ends, I'm coming to your house. It's like, no, you're not. Uh, yeah, you no. went on three vacations this summer? <laughs> I was I, working. I, I was working. And I spent my money on preps and building infrastructure and doing all that, and you did nothing. So, no. Yep. <laughs> you can enjoy that nope, vacation nope, somewhere nope. else. Go to the city. I heard they're taking volunteers. <laughs> Some sort of party going on. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> well, this has been fun. This has been real fun. Dude, um, I had a blast. I, and I thank felt, you. I, thank you for having me on, man. It was, no, thank it's you been for an coming honor. on. I felt like I didn't have to like like lead or really regulate much of this podcast. I mean, it just flowed very well. Well, you know, I guess we can when when you put two retards in the same room, it just it's just <laughs> kind of natural. <laughs> Do you uh, want to give any shout outs? Yeah, always Max. I said always Jeremy on his, and I'm going to say always Max on yours because Love me some Max. You know, he I feel like he really kind of kicked off the uh, the whole podcast thing and getting people to talk. You know, I feel like a lot of people were just sharing stuff and it was all edgy and Max really started getting people to talk. He was the first person I interacted with in the whole Instagram community gun stuff that made me think, you know what, I should really connect with people out and around me. So that that was cool. So shout out to Max for sure. You know, what? and uh, and also the um, Descent and Liberty podcast. Yes, that, that has been really awesome. Well. Yeah. He uh, he only has a couple episodes out so far, but they're they're also uh, Fantastic. very, very good. I've been listening. If you guys have, uh, he has no idea, and he'll probably never even listen to this podcast. But uh, Sam Culpepper does a very good podcast as well. I don't remember what it's called. Let me see if I can look it up real quick. Go ahead and finish your shout outs. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, that was that was pretty much it. Short and sweet. My girlfriend. Always uh, the girl. Yeah, Navy Brit on Instagram. She cool, cool as hell, man. Uh, the Culpepper Chronicles, a very good listen. He does most of it solo. Culpepper um, Chronicles. I haven't even heard of it. So mm-hmm. I will check that out. Very good. They're not like two-hour uh, podcast episodes like ours are. They're much shorter. Yeah. Uh, but he he does a very good job speaking, um, and he you know he gets straight to the point. 
you know, glides through it very easily and then done. Boom. So huh. very good. I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you hit pretty much the, the majority of my shout outs. Uh, Max, as always, you at the Polar Connection. <laughs> um, if you guys have not listened to the Polar Connection, go listen to the Polar Connection. Need to do another episode. <laughs> yeah. The Descent into Liberty podcast is a new one. Uh, um, I really like that one as well. And then shout out to just everybody that has been supporting the business. There's been an uptick in patches being bought, and I've seen a lot more pictures of uh, our IFACs making it into people's lives, whether they're training with them or whether they're um, stocking up on them, whatever it is. Um, You know, I I really am glad specifically on the medical gear to see that stuff um, starting to make the rounds. Um, We will be doing another medical class this fall it's either going to be in august or september right after the fourth of july i plan to announce what the official date will be hopefully so long as the world does not fall apart on us Um, but we will be doing another medical class so be on the lookout for that david you got uh any other closing remarks yeah i just want to say even though we did doom and i'm glad you brought it back around to hope is that just find that thing that gives you a little bit of hope some sort of vision for the future it's going to look different than mine probably gonna look different than jeremy's maybe it'll look similar mm-hmm. but find that because uh just diving face first off into that black hole will only lead to one of a couple areas and none of them are good so and thank you jeremy for literally i do want to say this and i know this is like oh on this podcast but seriously man in a public forum, the the work that you've put in and the effort and the professionalism that you that you have when it comes to like building community and real real like information and good knowledge for people to use, whether that's medical, whether that's tactical, whether that's prepping, physical fitness, just everything, man. It is it is impressive and it is awesome. And honestly, seeing young guys like you is uh, that are motivated like you. And, you know, Max is young, too. So that that actually gives me hope is that the post 9-11 babies, you know, we're not uh, they're not a lost cause. You guys might just be monsters that could rebuild the world. So that's cool. You know, and so thanks it. for what you do. Well, thank you for the support. You've always been extremely supportive of, you know, me when I was just bluegrass operator. And then once I started the business, so thank <laughs> you for yeah. your constant support. <laughs> All right, buddy. This was an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to have you on the next time. Awesome, man. Can't wait. All right, guys. That is it for Episode 5 of the Everyday Sins Tactical Podcast, Empire's Fall. As always, train hard, train often. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward Shrink the numbers, we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down